0: Uh, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the You Know Ball Podcast. I am your host, Troll Bro, dude. This is definitely not the second time I have tried this. Uh, we are going to do a first here today for our underdog section. We are actually going to do a draft for the playoffs. On underdog right now, you can use the promo code SLOP, that's S-L-O-P, to get a $100 deposit match, and you can actually draft teams based on which players and teams you think are going to get further into the playoffs it's called the dance it's under the playoff section on underdog we're going to do our first one we've been able to line it up we're on the clock actually right now so let me pull up the screen I believe we're just going to end up getting all right all right we have the number one pick so do we take Giannis Jokic Tatum or Embiid
1: I think we have to take Giannis (laughs) Let's take Giannis.
0: Yeah. I, I know we, we love to slander Giannis on the pod, but... Yeah, but however... However, sadly, number sadly. one seed right now, odds are heavily in the Bucks' favor that they're going to make a long run, whether... Even if it's only to the conference finals, mm-hmm. you, it, it is interesting because with this draft, you kind of have to draft based on... Like a month ago, Anthony Davis wasn't even getting drafted, mm-hmm. and now that the Lakers look like they're going to make the playoffs, or at least the play-in, and then potentially make it into round one he's getting drafted way way higher than he had been before because there's a chance now so you basically have to get interest if there's an interesting strategy you got to get creative sometimes with some of the picks that you make like obviously the top picks so far we have Giannis was one Jokic two Embiid three Tatum four Durant five okay so so you and then you'll see as we go on we'll, we'll, we'll get some of the bigger names up top and then as you get further you're drafting the role players from teams that you think are going to make uh, make it really far into the playoffs.
1: So, uh, what do the stats accumulate, or is this just wins? Is
0: so, a- this is a- accumulation oh. of stats, and you can yeah. essentially reset your roster every round. So, it's it's actually going to be a little bit more than a regular draft in terms of. Like, you actually have to draft based on guards, wings, and bigs. You can't just okay. do it like the normal one where you draft, okay, I'm just going to draft the players I think are going to score the most. You have to have like a real roster, but you can always reset your team, which is why you, you draft a little bit more in this one. You, you fill out a full roster, basically. So, all right. So now we have Luca, Brooke Lopez, DeAndre Ayton, and Sabonis. Do we, or Kawhi?
1: Is so right I there feel as well. Like Luca and like Brooke is obviously gonna go longer. Luca. fifteen has seconds. The stats <laughs> Um, let's do Sabonis actually. Really? I think so. He's a mix of stats and going far, I think. All right. No, so we want, we good. believe in the kings now. We believe I, I kind of they're gonna end up on that other side of the bracket. Um I don't know. Um I'm
0: Oh, we're on the clock again. We can get Luca too. So we right, can go with Luca. both. There we go. So we got Luca. So we got basically right now. We have. I didn't anticipate we were gonna get Luca and Giannis, but Luca isn't even playing right now. So and also, I don't know if the Mavs are gonna make the playoffs. I know that sounds insane, but it's possible. There's at least a chance they lose in the plan. So, so yeah. Basically, you'll see your strategy throughout here is like like up top. I usually go with the guys I have a decent feel of they're going to win at least a round. And I feel pretty confident in saying, I think the Kings are going to win at least a round now. Mm -hmm. So you at least have that flexibility when you make it a little bit further. And then you have the guys like Luca and Kawhi who are just complete upside swings. They could lose in the first round or they could make a run. And then you have one of the best players on the best teams, which helps your team further into the playoffs. Yeah, we have, so we're coming up on the clock right now. We have two picks. So we get back to back. It's a snake draft. So Mm -hmm. we get back to back. We have, um, Aaron Gordon, Donovan Mitchell, Paul George, Anthony Davis, De'Aaron Fox. We could go double Kings here. Yeah, I
1: kind of like De'Aaron Fox for the value here, to be honest. Like
0: last time we we took De'Aaron Fox, it bit us in the
1: ass, though. Remember? Yeah, that's true. Also, Julius Randle's actually pretty good value too because he's going to be second round. He's going to be one of the top guys on his team. Like,
0: so you're saying definitely going to beat the Cavs then in the first round, the Knicks.
1: Oh, I forgot they're playing the Cavs. I remember. Right, so, speaking of, we
0: could get Donovan Mitchell right now. Okay.
1: Yeah, you know what? Let's I feel go. confident in Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Let's and then go. we can get. All right. So we need a wing or a big, though. God, okay. So, you know what, though? We could get. No. Yeah, because
0: Luke is considered a guard. So we yeah. have.
1: Oh, God. We kind of do need wings. We have
0: two guards, a wing, and a big right now. Yeah. So should we just take a wing?
1: Julius yeah, Randle? Yeah, these guys are. Oh, no. Randle's a big. Yeah. Let's just. Hold on. I think we should take. Go. Julius Randle. Let's take him.
0: Oh, I missed it. Well, <laughs> we're we're definitely just gonna take Anthony Davis here. Yep. No, Sorry. Is. Unfortunately <laughs> I, gonna... I went to click it and it, it did didn't go in time. So we've so we've blown it. So we have we now have two big so we definitely need a wing next time around because we have two yeah. guards. Mm-hmm. You don't wanna get too heavy in one way or the other. Oh, well, God, I mean wings... now we're
1: tied to Anthony Davis, so we might as well get LeBron.
0: Uh, true, LeBron well, is on will the he board. Be
1: back, but will he be back?
0: I think he'll be back. I mean, yeah. I, they said reevaluated in two weeks. I know everyone's questioning right now. We're still, what, three weeks away from the first round of the More than three weeks away from the first round Honest, of the playoffs.
1: Honestly, because this is fantasy, Tobias Harris is pretty decent value here, too. There are a few guys, like,
0: if you feel good about the teams. Yeah. Like, if you feel good about the Nuggets, Bruce Brown... If you feel good, KCP is also another guy that could make – they could make a deep run. Kevin Herter. Uh, Tobias.
1: Grant Williams a wing. Very interesting.
0: How is Grant Williams a wing and Julius Randle is a big? All right. We're going to have to give
1: some sp- yeah. sponsor feedback on You're gonna this You're Going to right? gonna have yeah. to yell at them for this. Yeah. yeah it doesn't yeah, make yeah. any sense to me. They're
0: both fours. Yeah. No. And, I mean, I don't know. I feel like you – I guess it would kind of be cheating, though, to be like, oh, well, this guy's a wing and a big – because then it's just like ultimate flexibility for guys like Giannis mm-hmm. and Randall, who like can do. I mean, someone like, or like Luca, you could be a guard or a wing.
1: Mm-hmm. All
0: right. So we're coming up on the clock here. We got.
1: Shout out to that guy who just drafted Rob Williams. I love the optimism. That high? Yeah. He does get a lot of stats, though. He'll get yeah. blocks and steals and, uh, he is, he,
0: I mean, and rebounds. he plays,
1: he is yeah. a monster. But, all right, um,
0: so we have LeBron or Tobias. We have <laughs> LeBron or Tobias. No one's ever we had We have to, to take
1: a... Tobias. We have to take Tobias over LeBron. Are we Actually, taking... let's take both. We can yeah, take
0: we'll take both. both. All right, yeah. we'll take Tobias and LeBron.
1: Well, we're taking Tobias first. I want Tobias yes. to do this. Tobias clears. LeBron.
0: Anthony Edwards is also on the board, but Anthony Edwards... I just the
1: Wolves might not make it out of
0: the play-in. I think the or... Wolves the wolves are more likely to lose in the play-in, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then if the Lakers actually get to that play-in, I feel confident about them winning two games mm-hmm. or a game than I do about the Wolves. All right, now we can open up the full board, because now we can kind of draft whoever, because we have... Right now our team is Luca, Donovan Mitchell, Giannis, Tobias Harris, LeBron James, Sabonis, and Anthony Davis. It, Tobias really stands out that group.
1: Shooter, like, look at the shooting on our fucking team. <laughs> oh hey, God, you gotta give uh teams.
0: yeah. Oh, geez, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> if this were a real <laughs> team, it would be scene. gross. <laughs>
1: yeah, I was gonna say.
0: Fortunately, it's not a real team. Uh All right. But we, do, we can we can pick up some shooting here. Desmond Bain, Jordan Poole still on the board. Anthony Edwards still on the board. Might might be worth a flyer. Mikhail yeah. Bridges is going to score a lot in the first round, but I can't see the Nets winning a series. So you're basically just yeah. drafting him for your first-round team.
1: Yeah.
0: So that's where we're at in the draft right now. We're like, all right, Bain just went. The best guys on the board right now are Anthony Edwards, Bruce Brown, Jordan Poole, Jared Allen, Mikhail Bridges –
1: D'Angelo Russell might not. Well, I guess he's also a Laker, though, and we've got. The, yeah,
0: then uh, then we're basically dependent on the Lakers making a run if we draft.
1: What about Trey Young? I mean, we've drafted a lot of other guys who are going to be one and duns. Uh, have we?
0: Maybe Luca and maybe
1: LeBron and Anthony Le- Davis. Yeah, true.
0: I guess yeah. you're just taking an all upside swing type. Yeah, I okay. would like to make some safer picks though. Like Kentavious Caldwell Pope is a guard. Okay. I have a I have a feeling that Denver's gonna win at least a round or two.
1: Okay.
0: Um, but we'll talk about that later in the episode because there's some comments that have been made by teams. Let's just say that. We could get Anthony Edwards, who's injured right now as a guard. Mm-hmm. Or is he a wing? He's a wing. All right. So we ha- we're on the clock. So do we want to go safe? We want to go safe and upside. We can do one upside, one safe, like take Bruce Brown.
1: I think I think our upside should be Trey Young. Um okay. So we'll yeah. take Trey Young. All right, let's grab Trey,
0: and then should we, so we're not going to get Anthony Edwards, we're going to get like, do we want like Bruce Brown, Grayson Allen, Contavious Caldwell-Pope?
1: Yeah, Contavious Caldwell-Pope's probably the best one on the,
0: oh, uh, did he just go? Team. No, he's lower, he, he oh, Okay, just, uh, there he is, yeah, all right, so Contavious Caldwell, he, yeah, he, I, I have, I have a feeling they're going to make a decent run. Yeah. So now we're set at guard, and then basically I believe we have one pick left. Yeah, we have one pick left. We'll get a bit. We'll get whoever the best big is available. Because if you look at our roster right now, we have three guards. We have Luca, Donovan Mitchell, Trey Young. We have Giannis, Tobias, LeBron, KCP, and then bigs wise, we have Sabonis and Anthony Davis. So we'll just take whoever the best big is left on the board. So we have three bigs. Because the problem is, if your bigs, like, if Anthony Davis and them lose in the first round, or they even lose in the play-in, you basically need the Kings to go far to have a big in the late rounds. Yeah.
1: If Zubac gets back to us, that's pretty good. Like, it's a lot of rebounds for a team that has a pretty good chance to at least win one, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: God damn, I'm looking down the list, though. It's getting pretty grim pretty fast.
1: Yeah, so you don't yeah want to be, it's
0: like Zubac. Landell doesn't move you. The Grizzlies with Steven Adams, if he comes back, that's actually not a bad move because he's gonna he's gonna get rebounds.
1: He doesn't really get a ton of stat. Like he he screens a lot. He makes them better. True, that's a good point. Christian Wood uh, is definitely the
0: best. And and Cat, but but does Christian Wood play minutes in the playoffs? Is the real question. I mean, he better or they're fucked. Like (laughs) I mean, I think they might be fucked. Yeah, I think that, that I think that yeah. might that might be answered. That's the thing with Stephen Adams is like there's going to be certain matchups where you're like, is Steven Adams going to play this series?
1: Like Zubac will like have like a sixteen ten game, and for a team that like has a pretty good chance to like at least win
0: a win a round or, a round or two. Down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say in my earlier ones, I was just drafting team like role players from like the Sixers, Celtics, Nuggets. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't like taking these upside swings, but Zubac definitely gets like he averages ten and ten. Yeah. So he's gonna get, he's gonna get some fantasy points. Uh, let's see if he goes though. Let's see if he gets drafted, because we got two picks left, and then we're up. All right. Uh, no, he took Marcus Morris, and then quickly. Okay, so we can get Zubac here with our last pick. Let's go and just hope. So our final team, our final team, uh, it is now gone. But our team is kind of loaded. I'm not gonna lie. I'll have to edit that down because I don't think people want to sit through that for 13 minutes. But, um. But yeah, so sign
1: up for Underdog. You can now do uh, NCAA. Sam, I know you're really excited. I'm so excited. So a lot of guys, you guys don't know this, but I'm like just a giant Purdue fan. Like I am the biggest Boilermaker guy like ever. Unfortunately, I was like super busy like the last four or five days. So Mm -hmm. I've just been like really offline. Um, I DVR'd all of the games, all of the tournament. So right after we finish recording this, I'm going to hop on. I'm going to watch all of them back to back. I'm going to watch, you know, both of Purdue's wins. Going to see how their Sweet 16 matchup, you know, kind of shakes out. I'm hoping, you know, Zach Eady looks good. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I also put a lot of money on um, Brandon Miller's, like, or I mean, higher, lower. (laughs) Like, uh, so it's. I'm really excited to see how many points he scored in his uh, debut. Outing. So just yeah, like, really I mean, exciting, really great time to be a Purdue fan. I know it's been really disappointing like the last two times, but like, I just, I got a, a really scene. good feeling. Yeah. I've got a really good feeling yeah. about this team and I have put, I'm, I have put so much money. Um, I'm very heavily leveraged on this game, but I know it, I, I know it's, it's great. It's going to be great. I'm very excited to watch it.
0: Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, you have the best coach in the country, Matt, yeah. Matt Painter, uh, who definitely should have, honestly, we'll probably get a contract extension after this weekend, I would imagine. Probably yeah, should have I them mean, a ton of job security.
1: They've been a, a top team. And while I know it's been like disappointing, I think with this year's performance, that'll really you know yes yeah. the tone yeah, yeah it's, it's like you right. know
0: yeah in a few years it will be like when we're talking about some of the greats it will be like you know
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh roy williams coach k matt mm-hmm. painter like 100 yeah, like i would absolutely. say he's gonna be up on that on that mount rushmore of jim uh, Beheim.
1: if you didn't hit that guy with the car <laughs> those kind of coaches allegedly is that allegedly? I think that's. Well, let's say it's an allegedly. Just let's say, say allegedly. Yeah.
0: Let's say say allegedly. allegedly. Yeah. 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 Great guy though. Yeah. What yeah. a great career. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome career. He definitely deserves all of the praise that he gets. Not a scumbag at all. Um. <laughs> so, let's get into what's been going on in the NBA recently. So I've got to a, a lead off this episode. With some, with some positive, for some good vibes for, for once from me, from the Sixers. I've been more positive on the Sixers the last two months or so. I, I've been saying this team looks different. This team looks better. They don't seem to lose the games that they used to lose. Um, they have a, a, a ton of indicators over the past, Let's say two and a half months that this team is way closer to a contending team than a team that will be an early round flameout. Uh, you know, unfortunately, as we have discussed before, they have to you know get through the Celtics end or the Bucs, probably unless they can continue to win these games and get the one seed. Uh, the Raptors couldn't do them any favors last night. Unfortunately, Yaka Pertl dropped the ball out of bounds. Uh, great pickup, Masai. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but definitely, were the first round pick.
0: Hundred yeah, percent, yeah, absolutely. Um, and right now, the Sixers, right now, the Sixers and the Celtics are basically on opposite trajectories in terms of how they started the season versus where they're at now. And someone brought this up to me. Do you remember the tweet that was like the Sixers and the Celtics can never be good at the same time?
1: I think that was me. Oh, was it? <laughs> yeah, I think that was me. I think every other year rule. Yeah, I've, I, I've yeah, no, I've 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 tweeted this i i said i think i said to um z what um famous sixers fan and i told her i said if it makes you feel any better, we're due to have a nightmare year next year, and you guys are gonna finally make the finals. Yeah, and the Sixer
0: Celtics corollary as I believe, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, they,
1: they cannot be good at the same time, and they also can't be like bad at the same time. Like one team has to be having a nightmare year. Sure. And like last year was our turn to have like a good year, and you guys were obviously the ones having like the nightmare year with like with the Ben Simmons and, stuff, and sure. everything. Yeah. yeah. And then like Embiid breaking his face mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. So. So I do I do just want to say,
0: I got to point out, it's kind of funny that in, even in this scenario, the nightmare year for the Celtics in like 2018, 2019 was they lost in the second round, which is still the highest ceiling that the Sixers have had so far.
1: You guys have made it to the finals. You made it to three conference finals now, I believe. Okay. Okay, but let me defend myself, though. There are real stakes for the Celtics. There's a chance our all-star shooting guard could walk after the year. You guys have no idea what that's like. <laughs> under that pressure. So He could yeah, force his way out. You never know. There's a lot of whispers about him leaving. Uh, yeah, it's just, you know, it's, I, it, you Sixers fans, quite frankly, are a little spoiled. You have no idea. What I would say like,
0: so. Yeah, doing. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the fact that they started, I was on here after the one and four start, the 12 and 12 start. And I was like, this team just doesn't really feel like they have it. Like it, it felt as though the slow start to the season is actually going to end up coming to bite them in the ass a little bit, just because of this one, this fight for the one seed, because If they had even gone, as someone pointed out, if they had even gone fourteen and ten, they would be tied with the Bucks for the one seed right now. But because they went twelve and twelve, they had some early bad injury luck with Harden being out for a month and Maxi missing a few weeks, and even Embiid had a stretch where he didn't play for a little bit. But since the twelve and twelve start, you also
1: bad. Like, we should say that, too. Embiid was, like, straight up. Oh, yeah, he was horrible for the
0: first, like, five to ten games of the year. He was – it was, like, I was worried about, like – He
1: did the 10 thing.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Have we we seen the best of Joel Embiid was starting to go through my mind, and I was like, you know, he's 28, he's a big, he's whatever. Well, ever since then, and especially ever since two weeks ago when I said I don't think he's the MVP, he's played, like, the MVP. He's played, like, Mm -hmm. the best player in the league for – almost a month now. He's been on an insane heater recently. The best stretch that I've seen from him from a two-way perspective ever in his career. I think he's had offensive stretches where he's put up similar productivity. I think earlier in his career, defensively, he was better, mm-hmm. but he's better on both ends now in a, in a more consistent way that I haven't seen in quite some time. You know, a lot of people, I the, there's just like a faction of Sixers fans, no matter what they do in the regular season, they will never be convinced that anything will be different or anything will change until they see it in the playoffs. And I understand that because there's really nothing that this team can do to prove that because of the fact that they've been a good regular season team before. But I will say, to me, this is by far the best iteration of the Joel Embiid Sixers. And I know a lot of people like to compare it to the 2018 2019 team, which had Jimmy Butler, but there's also a lot of rose tinted glasses when it comes to that team. The fact that that team only really won 52 games like they were good, but like this team's almost certainly going to win more games. They're almost certainly going to have a better net rating. They're going to be heading positively, trending in the right direction heading into the playoffs whereas that team it was there were a lot of questions about that team no one knew if Jimmy Butler was going to stay after the season they traded for Tobias Harris they were kind of figuring it out on the fly this team's had a lot more time to flesh things out over their last 46 games after the 12 and 12 start they're 36 and 10 with a plus 7.2 net rating which is the number 1 in the NBA by a good by a good margin they have the number 1 offense which is a 122 points per 100 possessions which is Three full points better than the Kings' number one offense on the season. They are number, th- in that stretch, they are number three in efficiency field goal percentage, which is something that I've talked a lot about with the Sixers in the past. Is that I feel like while they were, they had, they had okay offenses because just because Joel was able to drag them to like a respected offense, uh, I felt like a lot of it wasn't. Uh, you know, they they didn't always get the most efficient looks. They weren't the the the, the most explosive offensive team. They were just kind of grinding out wins and out, out-talenti.ng Teams essentially is what I feel like. I feel like this team gets good quality looks. I feel like they are able to convert them at a good clip. I feel like offensively the process is better than it's ever been during the Embiid era with Doc with anything. And right now. They're in the middle of an eight-game winning streak. We're recording this right before the Bulls game. But they're in the middle of an eight-game winning streak with four blowouts against mid-middling to bad teams. But that's something that, like, as we've said with the Bucks, that's something good teams do. It's what the Celtics were doing at the end of last year and the beginning of this year. It's what the Bucks have been doing pretty much for a month or two now. Mm-hmm. And I think that... The fact that they are able to beat you in a lot of ways, and no matter who's on the schedule, they seem to continue to, like, kind of give a shit. And I feel like that matters heading into the playoffs as you're ramping up your minutes, as, you know, you can even get Joel some rest. They've had four fourth quarters that he hasn't played in in the last two weeks, and I think that's massive for when... I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop, like because my thing is like, yeah. when does the injury come? When does the fucking insane thing that we're always waiting for, uh, you know, what, it, when is it right around the corner? But for right now, as it stands on March twentieth, the six—I've never said this before—I think this Sixers team can win the championship. Yeah, and I, and that's the first time I've ever said yeah. that about any Sixers team. I've said maybe they have an outside chance if they get lucky, but on paper. From what they've shown for the last month or two, this is by far the best Sixers team that I've seen in forever, and I think that they have a good, as good a shot as anyone else.
1: I'm I'm gonna go back to what I said before the year, and I still feel this same way. I lost. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I back. I quietly backed off this take a little bit when they came out of the gate. Um, not great. But the Sixers team, if they get the number one seed, is absolutely a threat to win the title. Um. You know, I, I'm I'm even starting to get to, I've kind of, my whole thing has been like, if the Sixers can avoid the Celtics, if the Sixers can avoid the Celtics. I'm starting to even get to the point, like, they might not need to avoid the Celtics. Like, I, I don't think, I think... I think the vibes are fucked up with the Celtics. And while I do still think that there exists that rock, paper, scissors that you and I have talked about a lot. And I, I think it's that of, everyone keeps yeah, I was talking about it. now. Everyone has cribbed from us. Uh, they stole our, our whole <laughs> flow bar for bar, word for word. Um, but the, but I, I think that, you know, cause I, I think the problem, the, the thing is that you do need the number one seed because it is such a, it is going to be such a war. Whoever it is in that two, three matchup, you know, like, um, and I think, Physically, um, you can't go into a series against the Bucks because you know, playing in a series against Giannis, he's basically legally crashing a car into you like <laughs> 700 times during it. like you're getting in a, a minor car accident like at 13 times a game if you play against like Giannis. And you need, you either need like you guys do have PJ Tucker, you both have the meatballs in Grant Williams yes. and PJ Tucker who are there to like absorb that contact, but. I just like worry about, um, I, I I don't know. Like there, there's, there is some like injury stuff there. Um, you know, I, everyone's going to bring up Harden's playoff record. I mean, you're not going to be looking at James Harden though. You're going to be looking at Joel Embiid like, like I think is the difference. And that's like the first time really in James Harden's career in like elimination games, you're going to be like looking at that. I think this team way more than any other Sixers team has, some of that flexibility that we talk about just in terms of being able to adapt to different matchups. Like, I think I know you were not thrilled, but, um, and I didn't think this was the best move, but I think McDaniels has really worked out for you guys. And I think he really has given you guys like a much needed extra dimension just in terms of like three real three, four switchability with size, you know? And I think that is like guys who can credibly defend on the wing, but also have like that six-ten size are like, Kind of the secret sauce a little bit, and I think that is, you know, I, I think being able to have that extra look um, alongside like PJ Tucker, I think it kind of neg- negates Niang to like a more of a DH role for like when you need him um, in a Buck but, series. That's like yeah. the, the like he basically can only play
0: in a series where you can hide him defensively, and the half court yeah. offense by the Bucks being the way that it is is the only and and honestly, I actually think their half court offense and their offensive general. Has gotten better as the season has gone on. The numbers show it when you watch it shows it. Um, but I will say, kind of going off that point, it it, it reminds, and it's not quite on the same level of this acquisition, mm-hmm. but when the Rockets had PJ Tucker at the end of his run and they traded him to the Bucks, yeah. I remember being like, I don't really see what this does for the Bucks. Like, to me, P.J. Tucker is a clunky fit offensively. He, he's redundant with a lot of what they do defensively. And that I don't really see the value of treating for P.J. Tucker at this deadline. And then later when we got to the playoffs, you saw exactly what you're talking about, where you mm-hmm. can go smaller when you have a lot of threes, fours, and fives that can switch, that can mm-hmm. rebound. That can fuck shit up defensively. Yeah. And that was the vision that Maury in the front office had with McDaniels was, you know, while Thibault might have been an on on-off monster this year, we've seen it in the playoffs before with him. We've never seen it with McDaniels before, but in theory, with him with Paul Reed at the five... It's a it's a nightmare for other teams in terms of getting into passing lanes, in terms of turning the ball over, contesting shots because of their length and athleticism. Mm-hmm. And then if you even have an if you even have a, a matchup where Paul like Paul Reed has struggled against the Celtics in his career, okay, maybe he can't play in a Celtics matchup, but also the Celtics might go small some, and you can put PJ at the five and you put Jalen at the four, and then you have some flexibility there in terms of. We have some lineups that can space the floor on the other end where you could just go five out with Harden. And then that becomes really tough for both sides to defend. And then you're basically just hoping that you can outscore that team. And I, I think that this team, while I still feel like there's certain matchups where like even starters on this team, like Maxi and Tucker, or even Tobias who struggled recently, but uh, you know, offensively, I think that there are certain matchups where it's going to be tough for them but i also think that they adding mcdaniels having niang at least for a buck series having daniel house just to be able to throw out there as another athletic defend defender that isn't going to be terrible offensively they and then the melton element is like melton's by far the best bench player that they've had during this whole run it's it, it is very much that like they have flexibility and they have depth in a way that they've never had before and the thing that beyond Embiid's injuries and Simmons' playoff performances and whatever happened last year and all that shit, the biggest issue to me with the Sixers has always been depth. And they don't have playable playoff players. And now they at least have a number of guys that they can try to put into – the carousel, essentially, and just be like, all right, let's see if this guy works. Let's see if this guy works. And Doc, to his credit, has rode the hot hand in certain games, had really good feel with his rotations recently, which is crazy for me to say because I've always thought he was really bad with that. But, like, when Shake's playing well, Melton's minutes get cut. When Melton's playing well, Shake's minutes get cut. And then you have, like, him throwing out Daniel House the other night. Daniel House has a good game. So, like... I think that they've essentially kind of made this. I I don't want to you know kind of fuck myself here, but <sighs> they, they kind of have made the roster doc-proof in a way, in that the only guy that they've given him is Deadman that he can play. Deadman and Niang are the two guys that like could really get blown up in a certain matchup and look like shit. But Deadman's barely played because Paul Reed's just been good, and then the Niang thing is like, he's been shown to pull the, Ni- he's, he's benched Tobias at the end of games. He's benched Tucker. He's benched Niang. Like he's actually had a good feel for these things. And that's massive to me. Cause I've always felt like it was one of his weaker points of being a coach. Mm-hmm. And I think I can get beyond all the other stuff if the best players are playing well. And I think that the coaching stuff doesn't matter as much unless it's like, unless it's like we're coming down to like the, the real margins of a series. And then maybe I don't feel great about the coaching advantage, but if the best players play well, I'm not really going to be mad about the coach.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like, I think that the Sixers also like can get to the line, um, which is, you know, easy offense. Number one in the that,
0: NBA the whole season. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, you're, you know, like, I think this is all like pretty translatable. I mean, the Sixers don't really run, but, look, if you can have the results they have not running in the regular season, that's probably good for your playoff hopes, to be honest, because if you're like a, you know, if you, if you could score in the half court, you can win. Um, And also
0: the effort and energy goes up for every team in the playoffs. So that just like teams, teams like the Raptors last year and teams like the Grizzlies, they struggle when they get to the playoffs because they can't run the whole game.
1: Yeah.
0: When the effort levels from the other team goes up, getting back on defense, that's just kind of the reality of the playoffs.
1: It's the talent, you know, Like yeah. it, that's what it like comes down to. And, you know, you've got Joel and like Harden, two guys who have like been maligned for being like, you know, gassed early in games and like, you know, uh kind of doing some of that stuff. I don't know. I, I think that the Sixers, they're pretty well positioned. I mean, like they have a lot of the same, you know, there's a lot of the same stuff that we talk about, but I I think that they are genuine. Like as a neutral observer, they are very genuinely in the conversation with the Bucks, and you know whoever else you want to put in there. Um, as far as uh, you know, <laughs> not 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 the Celtics. Uh, although I actually did look it up because I was curious.
0: The Sixers have I know the Sixers have the best road record in the NBA right now, which is another good sign. Like yeah, that's they're twenty. They're twenty-two and twelve, but they do have—they have more games down the stretch to play than most teams. Like they—they they have a backloaded schedule. Like they—they—they they, they still have.
1: Celtics oh, have played two more games than that. They have a win and a loss. One yeah. more win, one more loss than the um, Sixers right now. So yeah. So like, and mm-hmm. for example, you know, even with the Celtics struggles, they
0: have the fourth best road record at twenty-three and fourteen. The Kings are actually second, which another good sign for them.
1: I. I Bill's kind of sold. We'll get to that later, but Bill's kind of sold me on the Kings, to be honest. Like, I didn't think, see myself falling for that, but I, I'm, I don't know. The indications, if you believe in the regular season, the indications
0: are there for certain teams. The difference to me between the West and the East is that I think the three best teams are in the East. Yes, and I think I that the three best teams are in the East. And most, mo- on the whole, They've had most of their team, at least for the last two to three months. Now, Celtics have had injuries. Sixers had injuries early in the season. Bucks have missed Middleton, obviously, for a good chunk of the season. But on the whole, I think that those teams have played the large majority of games with most of their guys in them. Mm -hmm. The Western Conference is just like a jumbled fucking mess in terms of all that. So, like, do I take a little bit less from the Western Conference stuff than the Eastern Conference stuff? Yes. I might. Because yeah. the Suns got KD at the deadline, the Mavs got Kyrie, the Clippers have their load management shit. Where like Kyrie isn't pl- or uh, Kawhi isn't playing on back to backs. Paul George missed a ton of games. Uh, the Lakers obviously have their mess. So like I take a little bit less.
1: than John Morant had his things. Like literally every team has. Yeah. what you're talking about. The Kings like... have had availability,
0: uh, unlike any other team in the Western Conference, yeah. except for maybe Denver.
1: The Pelicans were number one in the West, like what thirty games in, and yeah, are they like not, not going to make the play in. Like it's crazy. Uh, I, that was the crazy thing. I didn't even realize this, but remember how we were talking
0: early in the season? People had brought this up. How we were like, oh my god, like are are the Lakers and the Pelicans going to swap picks? And yeah, are they no, going to get Wemby? Yeah. And we were, and now the Lakers that pick isn't even going to swap. Yeah. And the Pelicans are going to end up with a top 10 pick probably. And the Lakers might not even be in the lottery. So like, it, it's kind of crazy how things have swayed, but that that's what happens with injuries. That's what happens with uh, the availability of these guys throughout the course of a season, which is why I might take a little bit of a grain of salt with the Kings. Whereas I might believe in the numbers a little bit more with the Celtics bucks and Sixers. Cause I think that they've proven that they're the best teams in the NBA. So I, 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 yeah. I, I might be a little bit skeptical of the Kings still, just because of the fact that we have not seen them in the playoffs before. Not that the Sixers have a great track record, but they've at least won series. We've never seen this with the Kings, and I I, I feel as though when we come back to like the Eastern Conference and we look at some of the shit with the Sixers, some of the shit with the Celtics, some of the shit with the Bucks, they've all had their like. The the Bucks started crazy hot. The Celtics started crazy hot. They both cooled down a little bit and it feels like the Bucks have gotten on, back on track. The Celtics are still kind of on like a wobbly kind of feel right now.
1: I a little bit of an understatement. Yeah, uh <laughs> I, I mean
0: look, look, I, I'm not even tra- I'm not even trying to defend the Celtics cuz I've watched and it's concerning. I mean and, and, we, and we and we've talked we talked very a lot about alarmed. it yeah. I'm yes. very alarmed. I think you have good reason to be alarmed. I'm not saying yes. that you don't but also, I, and we're going to talk later about the, the Bill podcast, but you have Bill going on there and saying that he's worried about the Heat, and I know you've been worried about the Heat matchup in general. <laughs> no,
1: but they're, they're so bad, though. That's the thing. Yeah, like, like this version of bad. the <laughs> Heat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like,
0: that's the thing. is like, this is yeah. the, by far the worst stretch that we've seen from the Celtics in the past. Since, basically, they made the leap halfway yeah. through last year, this is the worst stretch that we've seen from the Celtics. Yeah, And in the last... 14 games, they have the same record as the Heat right now. And the Heat are on, like, more of an upward trajectory compared to where they were before. Like, they're actually performing slightly better than they were before. So so I, I, I think that there's context to all of this. I think if you want to talk about from a championship standpoint, I would be concerned about the Celtics. From winning a playoff series, from playing these lower seed teams like the Heat and the Hawks and those kind of teams – I wouldn't be worried about that at all. I still think that there is a level that the Celtics can reach, especially when they have a little bit better health, that they will either end up facing the... The thing is, they're almost definitely going to face the Sixers or the Bucks in the second round now, which yeah. seems harder for them than it did early in the season because of all the issues that they've run into. But before we get on to the Celtics, two three more things about... I already said the best road record. They have the most comeback wins, which I don't know if I feel good about that or not. Like, I think it shows resiliency in a way that they haven't before, but also it worries me a little bit that, like, the I know it's a different sport, but, like, the Minnesota Vikings (laughs) did that all year in football, and then the second they got to the playoffs, it's like, well, we knew they were frauds. They only won on comebacks. That's a little bit, like, you can look at it either way, glass half full, glass half-empty.
1: I think those are totally different sports though, because there's so much less scoring in football, yeah. but that is a much more random event. You know what I'm saying? Like sure. I, I do think that there's more of an opportunity to like even things out. And again, I think I think the Sixers are kind of you know, you guys are headlined by two stars who, let's just say, know how to like manage their effort. <laughs> let's put
0: it yeah. Manage yeah. their effort and yeah. uh and sure. and it's 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 been a positive outcome for me that they've been shown that they can, they can fight, and like that is something that every Sixers team before this one did not do. It was like they laid down and died. They didn't, they didn't fight their way back into games. They didn't, uh, you know, they, they, their execution was terrible down the stretch. They're one of the best clutch teams in the NBA now, which some of that might regress with like hot shooting, but like the fact that they're competing in these games and. Every time they go into a big game or even like a game where it feels like it could be a letdown game, they don't let down like they used to. Like they they have had games certainly where like they lost to the Magic off the back of the Bucks law, uh win where like yeah, it sucks or maybe it was a I might have been the heat, I can't remember. They lost they lost a game, oh, it was the Nuggets. They talked about it on Bill's podcast. It was the Nuggets they lost to uh, they beat the Nuggets and then they lost to the Magic on, on the second half of that. And, and yes, that, but that kind of happens to every team now. Like I, it's the same thing with the comeback thing where like, yeah, I know the Celtics have, have, have blown a lot of leads and the Sixers have had a lot of comebacks, but that kind of is the modern NBA as I constantly joke about. Is like, I can almost chalk up some of this shit to modern NBA shit. And I, I don't feel as though the Sixers team really has as many letdown games as they've used to. Like, Without Embiid this season, which where they've always been below five hundred, or at least I would say I think on the whole they're like a game or two below five hundred, and they had that one 17 game winning streak mostly without Embiid a few years ago. Keep in mind they're nine and four without him this year. In the games when Harden doesn't play, but Maxi and Embiid do play, they are eight and one. So that that was shout out to Sick at Sixers Rank who said that. So overall. I feel like that no matter who's out there, whether Embiid's in, Embiid's out, Harden's in, Harden's out, as long as they have two of their main guys, I feel like they have a chance to beat anyone in the regular season. And if all of those guys are, you know, clicking, hitting on all cylinders like they have been recently, they have a shot to beat anyone in the playoffs, including the Celtics, which is insane to me because a month ago I was like, I was still like, there's one matchup in the NBA I can't see them winning with the way the Celtics have played recently with the whole on the whole with the Sixers being pretty much way better than them since December um i would say i feel a little bit better about that matchup than i did before and i think the Sixers can beat anyone but it just comes down to you know who's available what the path looks like and uh and kind of how all, how all teams are playing heading into that second round so let's get to the Celtics really briefly cuz i know that you said you're not uh, you're not uh, feeling great about them right now uh, by the way you know their record since we, we have a we, the discord did some digging and they did some informational pulling here since Ash Wednesday oh no <laughs> the Celtics it's are 7-6 so- and six. Inter- okay. I'm just saying is Catholicism ruining the yeah.
1: Celtics this is what we get for our making a papist our coach yeah um- <laughs> Start a sandring. Yeah, there there's a sex panic and then we uh, install the papists. So it's uh just I, I just like to point out that is a New England tradition. That is the Salem witch no, I don't, <laughs> don't we we'll have to cut that part. Um look, I think that the I mean here, here's what I have to say about the Celtics. I am someone who was was like driven insane last year by like them being bad because I was watching the team and they're like they're not bad. they're a good team. I am not having that scheme like bout of dissociative like they look like they suck. I'm sorry, like they they look like a bad team, like, which is way more alarming to me than like the results process thing. And again, like the last time the Celtics were bad, the thing in common, the underlying, Thing of this. Everyone wants to attribute it to coaching, which, yes, true. Joe Mazzulla sucks. Yes. Um, he ran that same fucking play at the end of the Jazz game that everybody knows is fucking coming again. Um, you know, the, all, all of this, the same shit, like over and over again. It, honestly, it really just comes down to Jason Tatum sucks. I'm sorry. Like, that is what happened. Like, that, that is the underlying thing. It is a Stars-driven league. And I'm sorry when you're – your star isolates on like 34% of his percentages and he's like 12th percentile or something like that on isolation scoring. Like, you're going to be bad. I'm so, you're going to be bad. Like, that. that's just what it is. Like, he j- very genuinely was a real MVP candidate like at the beginning of the year. He was I, in first in the straw poll, like, yeah. through a month. We both thought that he was going to win the MVP. I thought this was the year. And he has been... I don't think he should make first team All NBA. Like, like right now, I would, if I had a vote, I'm a Celtics fan, I would not vote for him for like first team All NBA. He's, he's not been good. Jalen Brown has been our best player. Probably, if you average it out, it's close. Like the, the whole year scoring. And, you know, like look, that's not good. <laughs> like sure. that's not like to say Jalen Brown is like suddenly like. But if you guys are going to win a championship. Yeah, I mean, I just think... It has think to be boy, Jason Tatum. It has like, to be Jason Tatum. And I think, like, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. Like, Rob's injury sucks, too. You know, this is why I was kind of going insane that we didn't sign, like, a third big. And, like, like I get that you can get Malcolm Brogdon. He's a very good player. He's had a very solid year for the Celtics. The Celtics didn't need guard. Th- that was never going to be the issue. It was always going to be... One of Al or Rob is going to get hurt this year. Lo and behold, it was Rob... And this is what happens. You're playing Luke Cornette, you're playing Grant Williams, you just don't have size and you can't match up. They I think they got the off they lost the offensive rebound battle like against the Jazz. I think it was like 17 to 2, 17 to 4, or something like that. Like I'm sorry, that shit is not going away in the playoffs. It's definitely not going away in the playoffs against Joel Fucking Embiid in the front line of Giannis Antetokounmpo and Brooke Lopez. Like they're just I, I, I don't like. I, I know that there is like a psychic factor, um, and you know, I would not be shocked if the Celtics did beat the Sixers if it ended up being like a two-three matchup. But I'm not feeling good. Like I used to like write that shit off, like no problem. I, I don't know, and I know everyone's like, cry. You know, Crimea River Celtics fans. You know, whatever. We're spoiled, but I'm just telling you, like, this is different. Like I'm, I will like, I'm like very adverse to panic. no you haven't been panicked at
0: all throughout all of this
1: yeah now i'm starting to get worried because there is no like you've got to start fixing shit you know this has gone on a little too long for it to be a slump they've lost to a lot of bad teams most importantly middling and bad teams back to your point against how the sixers have been taking care of business if you lose even games that they've won have been fucking close like, Timberwolves yeah
0: yeah yeah they had they had the one pr- impressive win against the Trailblazers which actually yeah. they almost ended up blowing it at the end of that game too when Dame went on a little 10-0 run at yeah. the end of that game they had the close game against the Timberwolves that they honestly I thought that they got kind of I know
1: yeah. I
0: was getting shit from Celtics fans for this but Joe Mazzola ran onto the court and they didn't call anything I was like look that is in 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 any game. I would say that's a technical foul. Like you can't, yeah. you can't
1: run onto the court while the game is still being well, played. Hold on. In his defense, he has like literally no assistant coaches to hold it back, which most other
0: people... <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're all leaving
1: have, for other yeah jobs. we have like we have like our coaching staff has been like fucking gutted. I mean, like, look, is Joe Mazzula a bad coach? People are saying this a lot about Joe Mazzula, like being a bad coach. I don't know if he's a bad coach he's not a good coach right now. That's like for sure. Like he may like figured some stuff, some stuff out. Like there's like a very reactionary part of like Celtics fans. You know, we want to be like, ah, you may, this wouldn't have happened under him. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you would have yelled, called them all like bitch made baby food and like everything would have been fine. But I, I don't know about all that. I think it's, I think it's more cut and dry. I mean, Jason Tatum has gone diaper mode. Um, at the worst time, and I simply think he's too high-caliber a player. I mean, I think Tatum defenders would come out here and say, well, like, look at the rest of the team. Look at the rest of the team. I'm sorry.
0: I think the fact that you guys have won a lot of games when he's played shitty is more testament to the fact that the rest of the team is actually pretty good.
1: Yeah, and I guess that's just, like, my point is, like, I... I'm... This is, like, very brutal for me because I've, like... I. I really fucking hate the way Jason Tatum plays a lot of the time. And then it really seemed like he finally turned a corner. And I was like, finally, I can stop being like the shitty fan who's like nitpicking at my my team star. Like I can get a, behind him 110%. I can be part of like the MVP propaganda shit. And he just goes back to being like fucking Kobe again. He's Kobe again. <laughs> like he is 2023 Kobe. This is what it would look like if Kobe played in today's league, by the way, is what, what Jason Tatum, like, looks like right now. Like, I, I and it's, it's, it's bad, man. Like, he's still, like, he's still a good defender. There's still, like, other, like, reasons here. I still do think, like, his positional versatility, all the same, like, talking point bullshit I was going on about when I was, like, caping for him for the... That all still exists. But he, like... I, I'm sorry, I put this pretty squarely at his feet. When he's playing good and you win, and when he's playing bad, and sometimes it really is that fucking simple. I Was I not saying this for the first two weeks of the season when everyone
0: wanted Doc fired? I was like, look, by the second or third week of the season, I was like, maybe you have to fire Doc because of all of the things that have happened. But most of my early season podcasts when the Sixers were struggling were like, hey, there's a player on this team that's the best player on the team that is honestly, especially the first three games of the season, yeah. was playing yeah. like shit. And mm-hmm. I was like, it's hard to overcome that unless you have a team that kind of has... And honestly, I'll say this much. I know he hit the game-winning shot against the Sixers. I didn't think he was good in either of the Sixers games and you guys won those games. So that's that's where I felt more defeated post that matchup. But you talk about a lot of things during that rant and I, I want to pick on two of them. One yeah. being, first off, I, look, I actually we love the Mike Moscala pickup. I thought it was great. I don't really know. I don't really think he's had that much of an effect on. He on play. Yeah, he <laughs> barely plays. He's like a French yeah. rotation guy. Only really plays in certain games. Probably won't play in the playoffs. The other thing, if you guys somehow had gotten Jared Vanderbilt, which I know we all of those teams were gunning for, that was the one guy that I felt like, man, that would be that would be the best insurance policy possible to the point where, like, if he worked out. You could even explore trading Rob this offseason because it's like I think that he has the upside to be that kind of level of player and give you more lineup flexibilities. He's just going to be available more than Rob Williams. Yeah. And the other part of you talk about the Malcolm Brogdon trade, which I still think on the on the whole was a great trade. You guys gave up a late yeah. first round pick it, for the for player for player Aaron Smith and a it, late yeah. first round
1: pick is a steal. Yeah, we're, we're not – I don't think Aaron needs – he's been playing all right, honestly, for the Pacers, but he's yeah. that's not coming back to haunt us. I no, no, you know? definitely and, not. And our, our pick is probably not going to haunt us this year. Not and – like, and yeah. I, but I do want to say
0: one of the reasons that that trade might not look that great in retrospect, despite it being a very good value trade, is the fact that it gives another guy for Missoula to play over Derek White – and Derek White has, as we've discussed, been very clearly the third best player. Yep. He hasn't been closing games. He didn't play at all in the fourth quarter against the Jazz. It's not look. It's not to say that Derek White is like a perfect player or anything, but yep. he's certainly shown that he is a bit. If if there's a Sixers series, I think I would argue if there's a Sixers or a Buck series. You you might be better off, even if Rob is healthy, you might be better off playing small in some of those games and putting Derek White out there more often because of the fact that, like, as good as mm-hmm. Rob is, and something that Zach Lowe talked about on his podcast uh, that you said before the season, mm-hmm. which was that Rob's actually might be more essential to the Celtics' offense than he is yeah. to their defense because yeah. of the spacing and the passing and all the shit, the offensive rebounding.
1: Honestly, the Celtics' defense has been, like, pretty fine. This yeah. whole time. Like, it's just that the, the offense has gone off a fucking cliff. Like, I, I... I mean, you know, Marcus Smart is also clearly injured and, like, not the same guy. Like, but, like, give me a fucking break. Every every team has a starter who's, like, you know, out or hurt, you know? Uh, some people are telling me that, like, Tatum's wrist is, like, worse than, like, is being, like, reported. And I, I do... Kind of by that, because he is such a fucking hooper. He, like, literally will not stop playing basketball. That's, like, the other bad thing, bad to good thing about Jason Tatum is he's an Iron Man. He plays all these games, but he, like, also literally will not take rest and will just play through all of these, like, fucking things to his detriment. He'll play fucking basketball in the offseason. He'll play for Team USA yep. and, like, just not stop playing and I think that so you know maybe there's some credence to that but we, I, we've been joking
0: about this at a group DM I'm like
1: mm-hmm.
0: I totally I we've talked about that I, yeah. I said I think that the downfall of the Celtics would be that they they're tryhards essentially yeah. like yeah. that that they play through injuries too often they do these things. I think a lot of guys do that and I honestly yeah. think that most maybe there is some credence just because I don't think I've quite seen a fall off and pull up shooting from a star. Yeah. From outside of Damian Lillard last year, and Damian Lillard had an ab injury that we learned and got off-season surgery, mm-hmm. there might be some legitimacy to that. But also, every time Tatum plays poorly, which he's done pretty much throughout his entire career for a stretch of the season, not to say he, – yeah. he tends to get right by the playoffs. I was going to say, because by the time the playoffs come around, outside of the finals last year, he's had some really major series, really major games, whatever – but my point is here is that it's not always the injuries. Like he's yeah. had ups and downs throughout his career. This as you said, this might just kind of be who he is as a player and you just hope that you can line up everything to get him the most right by the playoffs. And right now we're 3 weeks away and now you might be saying to yourself, I hope that we can flip a switch essentially <laughs> because yeah. that that that's that's where like you said you want to start seeing more of those good habits down the stretch. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think what's what you're gonna hear from you, like Bill has said this. A lot of Celtics fans have said this, and I think it would definitely help. Like, I think a lot of people want to see Derek White for Marcus Smart, just because you know you, you Marcus Smart has had some like real diaper disaster. Like, he looks like he's shaving points longest yard style sometimes at the end <laughs> of games. And I, I love Mark. I am like a number. Rob one. and Mar- Rob and Marcus are my two guys. Like, I I I can't say enough about. I will never like fully turn on Marcus, but like he is. I think that probably would help the Celtics win some games, but I just, I, I don't think that ultimately does anything for your championship upside because Derek's also like not a creator. And also like, by the way, Derek white very quietly. Also a huge reason. Like a lot of those series went on a long time in the like bucks and heat series. He had an awful playoffs, like shooting the ball. Like, yeah. and he he's been great this year. Um, I wonder scouting wise, you know, I, I, if he plays like this in the playoffs, you know, forget I ever said this, but I just, Marcus Smart has shown up in the playoffs and has been like a dog grinder, you know, done these sort of things shown up when the lights are brightest. And I think we're, uh, you know, I'm just going to say like, you know, who knows, this might be like a very stupid talking boy. This might be like very talk radio as like Priscilla would say, but. Um, I definitely think switching out Derek white for Marcus smart would have definitely helped us win a lot of regular season games on the stretch, which matters. Yep. And like, if they lose, it'll be the number one seed. So it's not totally pointless. I also can see why a coach would want to set a precedent that Marcus smart is going to be the one closing games for us when it, there's important stuff going on, I guess is, is what I would say. Um, yeah. Tr- historically. That might be the wrong decision, um, this year. It definitely seems like the wrong decision this year. Derek has been incredible. Um, you know, I Rossillo and um Simmons were pretty dismissive of his all defense case. I don't know about that. Um, I it looks like an all defense guard to me. I mean, maybe he doesn't play enough minutes, but um, he's been incredible. Um, Derek but, White, yeah,
0: Derek White, well, yeah. I, that the minutes thing hasn't really been a problem for the past five years or so. Uh, um, yeah. DeJounte Murray and Seibel both made it on despite being bench players, uh two different yeah. seasons that played like 20-25 minutes a game. And so far this year, he's playing 28 minutes a game. So I, I think that he he certainly has a case. Also, he doesn't miss games is yeah. the thing, is the other thing with Derek White. He's kind of an Iron Man in terms of the fact that he doesn't really miss games. The one thing I will say, and the reason why I brought up the Rob Williams and going smaller for certain lineups, whether it's white over smart or white over Rob or whoever the functional big is in that series. I do think that offensively, I'm not sure how much Rob Williams is going to help or Marcus smart necessarily is going to help compared to a Derek white in a Sixers and Bucks buck series, because one of the main advantages of having Giannis and a bead, Giannis more so has been kind of the, the King Romer type guy that you can put on the baseline and kind of not have him necessarily worry as much about his guy That is something that down the stretch of the last Sixers game, when Rob actually played in that game. And I remember Bill specifically screaming for Derek White to play in that game because he was playing amazingly in a great game. And down the stretch of that game, they put Joel in the paint and they basically let him roam off to cut off the paint and any sort of rim attempts from the Celtics. And it actually stagnated the Celtics offense a lot down the stretch because the large majority of your offense is created on drive and kicks on that ball movement that gets generated from the drives, which honestly, I when I watched that Utah Jazz game the other night, I was laughing because I was watching and I was like, "Why do they keep doubling Tatum?" Because <laughs> I was like, yeah. "Like at this point, like make him beat you one on one." If 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 he's been this inconsistent, like you're surrendering wide open looks. That you guys were generating good looks down the stretch of that game. Grant Williams got like three wide open corner threes. And then the last possession, he just made a he made an error driving directly at at Walker Kessler. Like it it feels as though the offensive process was fine down the stretch. It was just no guys weren't hitting their shots. Grant,
1: the Grant thing is funny because Grant's like such a doofus, and but like he's this is that's like the third game in a row where he's had like or like for third or fifth game where he's had like. A pretty good game but like had the big highlight Bozo play at the end of the game. Sure. Like, maybe- he was really good in that yeah. game. Yeah.
0: Which is, I was literally yeah. I was texting people being like fucking yeah. spoiled Celtics fans getting mad. He has 25 points right now. Like, That's I was like,
1: he's, like he's, he's a good role like, player. Well, he ran- I'm sorry, like, Grant is not the problem with this. Rosillo and Simmons seem to have kind of given that up and, and kind of understand that Marcus is the easier pick now. But I, I guess... Uh, by the way, I'll also say this. It's also totally possible the Celtics still go to the finals. Like, they could also... Just all the stuff I'm saying about Jason Tatum being doo-doo mode poo-poo, like, he can also just flip that switch and go back to being good, and the Celtics will probably be good again. So, like, bear that also in mind. I just... I'm getting a little alarmed because it usually takes Tatum a little bit of time, and we're running out of season and out of runway for him to like be ready for like real games.
0: The but, games that uh, I'm keeping my eyes on for the rest of the season for Jason Tatum and the Celtics, yeah, are the big games against the Sixers yeah. and the Bucks because a few games, yeah, and because they actually both teams have stuff to play for. These these are this is going to have an impact on seating. While I we've joked a lot about Mickey Mouse March and how all, you're going to see all these players going on crazy runs and, oh, R.J. Barrett. Someone tagged me in an R.J. Barrett post the other day and
1: mm-hmm.
0: all this shit. Uh, you know, uh, I, look, I'm happy for some of the young guys, the young teams that are performing well, but we see this every single March. But these bigger games, they all have indications for the standings, for the Sixers, for the Celtics, for the Bucks, for all the teams in the West that are fighting for their playoff lives. Like, we're going to see some really good basketball over the next few weeks, and I think that those – those major games are actually going to have some foreshadowing for what teams are going to look like in the playoffs. Now, they might not want to show everything, but there's certainly going to be more competitive games that we got in the first week of April than we've maybe ever had before.
1: I'm going to go one step further. I think these are like... Championship are, determining. This is what I'm saying. These, these are like... Are you a Survivor
0: person? Do you watch Survivor? No, I don't. Okay, I, I, I got back into the show recently, and yeah. there are moves that you make at like with like 10 people left that yeah. you're like, this is the move that will get me to the final, the final yeah. three. Yeah. That's what these games are essentially, because they yeah. could determine who's the one seed and whoever gets the one seed has a massive advantage over the other team.
1: I, I just, unless there is some sort of injury in the war that is going to be the Eastern conference finals. I just, I really don't see a Western conference team winning it this year. Like I, I, KD to the Suns made me like, think that that was possible. I I can't get there. I, I I just can't get there. And I, I think this is probably going to determine the one seed, which is probably going to determine the Eastern conference, which I think is probably going to determine the championship. So like, I, 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 these are like some of the highest stakes, regular season games you can get like, they're yeah. like more important than like, like, what's the most important regular season game you've ever seen? Probably, like, the last day of the year, that Nuggets-Wolves game to get in the playoffs. Yeah, like, the fake play-in game. game that uh, yeah.
0: Zach always talks about.
1: Yeah, like, that that's probably the highest stakes, like, regular season game. One of the highest... I would argue these are like higher regular season stakes, regular season games that are going because they're
0: going to have an impact on the championship. It's not just yeah. like, hey, we're going to make it to the playoffs and then get crushed by the Rockets, which the right. Wolves did end up losing in five to the Rockets, right? Uh, yeah, like it, it was basically just like a, oh, we, it will be nice to compete and be in the playoffs versus, right. hey, we're actually like this is going to dictate and and right, right now Milwaukee's in the driver's seat. Sixers and Celtics are only two games back. And which the, is crazy, which is, which, crazy. Which, which is crazy, which is crazy because but that's that's the advantage that the Celtics get for starting hot and the disadvantage that the Sixers get for starting yeah. slow is that because the Celtics had that insane hot start, because the Buffs had that insane hot start. I was saying from the jump of the year, it's going to be really hard to claw back in. They, basically, everything has been as close to perfect as you can get for the Sixers for about two and a half months. Yeah. And it doesn't, it might not matter just because you can't start the year 12 and 12 and win your conference when the conference is good. So yeah. that, that's just kind of the reality of the situation that they're in right now. But you know what? Win the big games, show up, or at least compete in them, and I'll be happy. I'm, I'm, I'm not really going to get too worried about that stuff right now. I think that there's so much that can change between now and the playoffs.
1: So let still point differential. Uh, that, that's officially that's, happened. That's got to be fake. I, like. Yeah. I, I
0: like I like the Cavs chances in a Knicks series. Like I like yeah. I think I think that I, I would go as far to say as if the Sixers or the Bucks get the one seed. Honestly, any of these teams get the one seed, I think the Cavs could take a couple games off them. Like yeah, I think that 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 team's talented enough to do some things for sure. I'm not afraid of them by any means. Like, I'm not, like, going into the playoffs like, oh, really hope the Sixers don't get them in the second round. Whatever. I, 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 I'm I not looking at them as, like, championship contenders. But the fact that they're the number one seed in net ranking still on Cleaning the Glass is kind of wild to me. I think that's a combination of... They've been pretty consistent throughout the year. They haven't really been in a ton of lopsided games in one direction or the other. They did blow out the Sixers early in the season without James Harden. Um, And then, uh, so yeah, right now they're, they have a plus six, one uh, net rating. It's close though, at the top dude, like you go down to Denver, it's teams that are within two, two points per 100 possessions, which is like nothing of the number one net rating, You have Boston, Memphis, Philly, Milwaukee, and Denver. So you have five teams. And as Zach talked about on his last podcast, it's possible that this shit doesn't matter as much because of the fact that the West is wide open, because of the fact that guys are always in and out of the lineups. And last year and the year before, Milwaukee was the three seed and they won the title. Golden State was the three seed and they won the title. The large majority of the last 25 to 30 years it's almost always been the one or the two seed. Those are the only two, three seeds that have gone on to win the title in the last like 25, 30 years. So like it, the tide could be shifting a little bit on the regular season success versus the postseason success. But let's get into the uh, Rusillo and Bill Pod, just a, a few things that we wanted to talk about. You you really wanted to harp on this, uh, this intergenerational stuff.
1: So Bill had this whole spiel about, basically he was calling... He was calling the numbers Mickey Mouse, and, and we've talked about this. That you know, it, this is a this is kind of a Mickey Mouse season. But Bill did it in his like very Bill way. That like a lot of old guys do. Um, you saw Bob Ryan tweeting that the. Uh, <laughs> the the three-point line was a uh the invention of a businessman um <laughs> the harlem globetrotters uh, the harlem globetrotters businessman like uh yeah. Yeah. Implies yeah. triple parentheses if you know what that means yeah. yeah like, like yeah. Uh, just doing some casual anti-semitism yeah exactly um, uh, But but that really what i think we're talking about like I think we all admit that like, yeah, something is like definitely going on here, but then he's like going back to kind of like, rather than to like, kind of acknowledge, you know, all eras are a little bit different. You've got to like, kind of take things in context of their eras, which is what he talked about. He then listed off like 1 billion centers. Like, you know, you had Kareem and Wilson, like these guys who matter, but then like every other, like iron footed center who scored like 30 and 12. And it's like, you're proving your own point they, they, like center stats were mickey mouse back then they <laughs> like, were like like yeah. I, and, and that's like bec- that's because other positions just matter more now in today's nba and i think that's like the context which makes what Embiid and Jokic do i think more and Im- more impressive exactly like, yeah. like like than like kind of what he was trying to like... Especially uh, when you kind of consider we're in the
0: three-point era where the game is played from the outside in versus yeah. the old era of basketball was inside out. Everything mm-hmm. was played from within the post and then everything came out of the post. Honestly, the last team that won a set, won a title playing even an inside out style
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: was Hakeem and the Rockets. Like Shaq just dominated in the post. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, uh, D- Duncan played in the high post a lot. The last team that really had that, the the fact that Embiid and Jokic have kind of capitalized on the fact that the league went small, and it's something that that Bill talked about on a recent podcast, and he was dead on with this analysis, which is that every team seems to think that they can mimic the Warriors. They did for years. Mm -hmm. Oh, we'll just go small, we'll go small. And really, only a few teams have kind of been able to do that, because no one has
1: Draymond Green. That's the thing. You need Draymond Green, and you need Steph's insane gravity, which... two complete, like, historic outliers. Yeah, exactly. Like, and they played together to mm-hmm. make everything work
0: on offense and defense for the Warriors. Mm-hmm. And now, because of the fact that you had this this essential market shift to playing smaller, playing with more space, playing with whatever, Jokic and Embiid have been able to dominate from the post because of the fact that every other team said, we're going to go smaller, and they've essentially completely reversed the fortune and made it so that them plus Giannis, who's also a seven-footer, are the three most dominated, at least in the regular season, players. And the, the intergenerational stuff was interesting to me because earlier in the season when they – and we all we both have admitted these stats are inflated. Of course these stats are inflated. Yeah, the, of course. Yeah. The, the, with the pace teams play at, with the efficiency, with – the fouls the that are called, changes, the yeah, rule changes, pace, everything. Whatever. Yes, Yeah. Sure. They're also in the eighties, by the way, the, before there were uh, changes in rules and shit, the pace was crazy. Teams scored a ton of points. They, they said like, oh, it was a 15 guys shot more than 20 times a game. Well, if you go back to the eighties, it's like, you look at it and it's like, there were probably 15 guys that shot 18 and a half times a game. Maybe there's, like, an extra shot and a half, which, yeah, uh, uh, that matters over the course of a game, course of a season. But it's not like it, – if the game is very different and and we are breaking all these offensive records. But my point on this whole thing is that, like, earlier in the season when the Celtics were doing really well, Bill kept using the J stats as a way to say this is this is an all-time duo, essentially, what he was saying was. He was like, the Celtics have the best duo in the league. And he was comparing their stats. He literally had an intro podcast where he compared their scoring stats to Shaq and Kobe, to KD and Curry, and all this shit. And now that the Celtics have struggled a little bit and the Sixers and the Bucks are doing better, it's like, wait a minute, we should really look at these numbers. And let's let's do an audit of these numbers. It's just convenient timing for me, really, which oh, yeah. is like, we we'll, we'll all recognize.
1: Villas we'll switched to Drew Holiday as the best defender on the Bucks, which is hilarious. Are up. Very funny.
0: Not the best defender on the Bucks. The best defender in the NBA,
1: <laughs> which, look. He's such a sicko. What a pervert. I, I, love, <laughs> I love him. I love, I love him. Nobody knows how to, like, take an agenda and run with it. Like I, I kind of like Drew, I think, more than most yeah. people. And I was just like, oh, my fucking God. I am going to break my wrist doing the jerk-off motion in the air. <laughs> no,
0: but, no, Drew's, Drew's really good. And Drew is incredibly important for what the Bucks do. And he's incredibly yeah. important as a defender on any team he's ever been on. He's always been one of the best guard defenders in the NBA. But when we live in the era of like when you get to the playoffs, having the biggest advantage you can have is having a Draymond Green or a Giannis Mm -hmm. or someone that is just like exactly what we've always talked about. The switchable, versatile, like what people project Evan Mobley to be. Look, I mean,
1: even Bam, like in certain His value games, goes up a lot in the yeah, playoffs. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, BAM, that's kind of the secret of rat mode, is BAM. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, you know, like that, that. I I wish I could call him fraudulent. He has games he knows shows on offense, which is a lot of fun. You get to do the registered Republican Bam out of Bio thing, but like, <laughs> yeah, sometimes he gets crushed by James Wiseman. Yeah, <laughs> was that what happened last time? I he, watched, James, yeah. He was James true. Wiseman playing. Like, because I am writing. All, I have that locked, next on my list. I have okay. it on the next of my we'll list. We'll talk about it in a little yes. bit. because that was another thing Bill brought up that I just I'm <laughs> Bill mode. But anyway, I, I guess I guess my thing with Bill's like intergenerational stats too is like, and and credit to Rassilo because you have brought this up. We also don't talk about how those guys were also playing in insanely different circumstances. Like, I if you put like Og and Anobi in a time machine and send him back to like the 50s will would have like 30 turners <laughs> i'm sorry like there's no like history history
0: books are would be written about tobias harris yeah that's what i'm
1: saying because i just I, like the, the reason you can't compare eras is because they're they're fundamentally different like these, these guys grew up watching youtube and like looking at like you know, able to go to camps and like study craft and like all these meanwhile players like in the fifties had to go like go to the fucking general store to like (laughs) buy the pump for their like basketball and they're like practicing on fucking dirt. Like (laughs) like it's it's like you like literally cannot compare these things you know like yes. guys were like smoking in the gym in
0: the 50s <laughs> yeah exactly i'm not i'm
1: gonna be honest i'm not even yeah.
0: sure wilt chamberlain was good at basketball i think he was just the tallest uh, and the most no, athletic yeah and you were just like wow he's incredible because he's literally not a six-foot milkman who yeah. literally Hash- ha- hashim wilt would have <laughs> dominated in the uh dude james wiseman in yeah. the 50s we would have been like this man, this man made us change the rules of basketball, yeah. and he's like a fringe rotation player in the modern NBA.
1: Like that's if you could send current cooked Dwayne Dedman back, he <laughs> would be dropping seventy like every night. Like... We always say who because because people bring yeah. this conversation
0: up for the NCAA. Yeah. Like, some did you see the tweet the other day that was like, if you put Giannis on a sixteen seed, yeah, would they win? And then I was like, dude, they would win every game by like forty. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> 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 like, like first off. A 16 seed just beat a 1 seed. Like, 16 seeds are way better than they
1: it's used to be. actually how the Bucks became good, is that <laughs> happened. Like, yeah. They had, like, Jabari Parker on that <laughs> fucking team.
0: Like, no, oh, we have Giannis now. Yeah, like, we
1: have Giannis I always think
0: now we're good. <laughs> who would be the worst player you could put on the worst team? Uh, and they would... So, like, worst team in the tournament, worst 16 seed, right? Let's say the 16 seed that lost in the play-in game for the tournament, right? Who's the worst player you could put on that team and then have them just cruise to a title still? So.
1: I think I think it's like the line of demarcation is somewhere around current this year Jordan Poole. Like that's a good one. Yeah, I, I think that's like right. It's like in that range. Like I wouldn't feel confident at that point because sure ah, he could shoot him out of the game. <laughs> yeah, true. It's a good yeah, point. You know. Yeah,
0: he could do either. Or although, could although he, he, him shooting
1: thirty percent though is like efficient for the college. college the college. Yeah, the, yeah. the
0: guy who's going to be like the number three pick in the draft is five for twenty two to start the tournament. Brandon Miller. Like 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 that's what we're talking about here. And, and look. You, it does get a little bit complicated because it's like Paulo Bencaro is – it's hard to it's hard to really figure out because, like, a year ago, Paolo Bencaro was in this tournament, and they didn't – he didn't even drag the number one seed to a title, right? And, like, yeah, you would say – Coach K deserves the next <laughs> <laughs>
1: Coach K should – Coach K has been ruining generations of Duke prospects. The, the fact that the Joel Jaleel Okafor team won the title just proves how evil that man is okay. of all the teams the, yeah. the best pro
0: was Tyus Jones <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. uh but the um but yeah the I, but because someone said, like, Christian Wood was a good one, I thought. Like, mm-hmm. you put yeah. Christian Wood on one of these teams, he's just dominating. Yeah. And then they were like, but, like, Paulo is better than Christian Wood, right? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, well, Paulo Caro was on the team last year. And, like, did he become that much better in a year? And I'm like, first off, I think he probably did become much better getting into an NBA training program, playing against NBA pros, having a year under his belt, even just one year, compared to, like like, I think we always joke it's like, I, I, th- I think the real answer is probably a shot creating guard because yeah. it's either like a a dominant big that like maybe a Christian Wood a skilled big or a uh, a a shot creating guard like a Spencer Dinwiddie or a Jordan Poole or whoever
1: C- Connecticut did this with Shabazz Napier like, <laughs> uh, like I, uh, th- there's your proof right there. Like Gonzaga uh, almost did it with Suggs, who's like not a shot creator at all. Like, yeah,
0: actually, as Will said in the comments, yeah. it's Boban. I mean, it, <laughs> but then again, we just saw Zach Edey, who's basically new Boban, go yeah. out in the first round. Uh, yeah, Karis Levert, another good one. Well,
1: what do you mean? Uh, Zach yeah. Edey went out in the first round. <laughs> What do you, what do you, hold on. Hold on. Wait, hold on. No, no, don't, no. Don't no. look at your DVR. Okay, what? <laughs> uh, what's on uh, the tape? Good, good, what's, on, what's at the DVR? Oh. oh, no. Oh, God.
0: Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, so back to the the Bill and Russell stuff. The, yeah. the generational stuff is always just way too hard to compare in general. Um, But the, yeah. as someone did point out to me, there is a there is a, a complete contradiction that Bill, at, he listens to the podcast regularly, at fear, the underscore void, pointed out to me.
1: Mm.
0: How come when Devin Booker was on those Phoenix teams, it was always good stats, bad team guy, and then James Wiseman goes to the Pistons, and they've literally won, I believe they've won one game since he got traded there. And he puts up these stats and it becomes, oh, well, Wiseman's back. He's a guy. But before it was always the shot-creating guard, especially the Hooper, was a good stats, bad team guy and it could never translate. And then now that it is the guy that I always was high on, (laughs) he's very clearly going to be a good NBA player.
1: I just, I can't. I mean, I, I'm gonna be clear. I have I've watched precisely zero of these Detroit games. I've I watched feel, some. I, I I will tell you. I feel still feel extremely comfortable saying James Wiseman is not an NBA player. I don't. You could tell me he got thir- he did the Kevin Love 30 30. I would not care. I I'm sorry. He's not good. I, I mean, like I I, this okay. is, I. I don't know. So I just want to say. Mm-hmm.
0: They're one in 13 in games that James Wiseman has played. So they played 14 games since the Wiseman trade happened. Yes. That got traded at the deadline. Now, look, maybe Wiseman turns out to be, uh, and I said this at the beginning of the year, maybe he is. And part, you know, I'm not putting all of this on James Wiseman. He's on a bad team. Like the Pistons are bad. They're trying to tank right now. I watched, I, I certainly watched enough last night that I was like, And it's kind of what I felt at the beginning of the season, like maybe he could be a backup big. Uh, Certainly has athleticism, size, all the things that we have talked about. I don't know how, how applicable his athleticism is to the modern NBA game. He also had a horrible play down the stretch where he had a rebound and dropped the ball that led to a Miami three because he has terrible hands where he still has moments where I'm like, ah, yeah, he is 22. He's barely played basketball for the last four years you got to cut him some breaks because he certainly can do things at a level that is i think that he can be a rotation player in the nba just because he was the third pick in the draft i think that people are going to go second. one way or the other with their oh, i'm sorry the second pick of the draft jesus christ um uh just because he was the second pick of the draft and because mm. he has these moments where he's he hit a, a big 3 last night and He's crashing the glass, and he's he he's scoring inside at will against Miami. Uh, even though the Detroit's offense was not good the entire game, there's going to be a section of people, whether it's Warriors fans that want to say they were right pre-draft, Wiseman people. Also, I've lo- I've noticed a large section of people on Twitter who are just complete contrarians and are like, "No, Wiseman's going to be good because I have
1: no idea what that, I would <laughs> never, I would never do anything like that." disgusting repulsive i i will never be a james wiseman contrarian that is that is some sicko shit i'm sorry like well you, i mean you define jesus at that point let's see what he looks like when if if the pistons are good
0: next year because okay. in a winning context is what i've always struggled to see where wiseman fits on a bad team i know he can play like i know that he can play on a team where you just yeah. feed him the ball and you let him get the reps and 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 maybe he can he can turn into uh an NBA center one day but is james wiseman ever going to be good enough that you can run an offense through him no which is kind of part of the reason why that archetype of big doesn't have as much of an appeal as it previously did now can he healthy,
1: be a- like healthy rob williams is probably exactly what you want james wiseman to be right like that's like Sure. probably the highest possible thing on that's a winning on the team. team sure and that's like a 10 million dollar play like you know what i'm saying like that, yeah. there's, there's a reason i i love rob um i think that you know his ceiling kind of changes championship level odds but there's a lot more that goes into team building that is more important than that you've yes. got to go a ways down the checklist before you get to like that play vertical spacing
0: rim protecting right. big which I mean, look, I don't even know if Wiseman can do these things on a high level. Yeah. He's certainly shown enough in the games that I've watched that I'm like, look, maybe the trade doesn't end up aging as poorly as I thought it would. I still don't understand why you would block Jalen Duren and his development because you just spent a lottery pick uh, on him. Didn't really make any sense to me. Still doesn't really make any sense to me. But I, I think that he has certainly shown enough but I, I want to see it in meaningful games is what it comes down to. Is like, what does he look like when everyone's healthy next year if they hit on another draft pick, uh, which I don't even know if they've necessarily hit super high on a draft pick yet, to be honest. Uh, but 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 I, right now, it's, it's a lot of victory lapping from people in games that mean nothing. And honestly, the fact that Detroit's hung with a few teams gives me a little bit of optimism about some of their younger guys, but I still want to see it. In a winning context, what James Wiseman can bring, because I'm still skeptical just about that archetype of big in the modern NBA beyond what you just described, which I don't even think offensively and defensively he's going to reach that level of effectiveness. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, look, maybe maybe I'm totally wrong and Wiseman turns out to be totally fine, but I'm, I'm going to be skeptical until the games mean something. So um, which has always been Bill's thing. Good stats, bad team guy. Like, like we, we have to, the application has to be across the
1: board here. (laughs) It's it's, certainly shown enough, but. Well, it's like a win. Well, it's so weird because it's like a, in some ways it's like a win prophecy. I think this is kind of a sunk cost thing where like you start out trusting the warriors infrastructure. And if you're someone who like staked your claim on like, okay, two timelines, this is brilliant. This is a genius franchise. They're so smart. Like, your options are, okay, this is kind of a dumb franchise who's just gotten like really lucky with very specifically two draft picks. Or is this um, – or you can say, oh, they just – they made a mistake here and they gave up too early on their brilliant plan that was genius the whole time. And <laughs> well, that's won. the thing. is it, yeah. Bill, Bill
0: kind of plays both sides with it where he goes – well, obviously, he's very talented and good, and they did give up on him too early. But also, he would have never fit on that team. And it's like, <laughs> did you, you mean a team that won the championship last year?
1: Did you? Well, uh, but this is the thing. Why I think it's the Warriors thing is because did you listen later? They did a retrainables. They did their second Celtics trade on retrainables, which is very funny. They only two about, trades he's done. No, there's a third. They did the Nets trade. Oh, okay. Um, they did the Nets, uh, Damian Lillard trade, I think or something. Okay. Um, but anyway, so they, they did their retradables for this week, and it was the fucking Joe Johnson trade for, like, Tony Delk and Rodney Rider, whoever it was. Um, but Bill was trying to explain what giving up on Joe Johnson was like at that point in his career. And he, his his first instinct was to say, uh, Kaminga, which is so fucking funny. <laughs> like, and that just shows that I think Joe, I think I think because Bill is kind of wowed by the warrior i think he's kind of been snookered by like the warrior's whole thing which is honestly i'm sorry it kind of parallels the same silicon valley fucking nonsense where you happen to be in the right place at the right time but sure Uh, you know, we have the the American myth-making where, you know, nothing can be an accident. It's got to be somebody did something right. Exactly. No, it can't just be historical luck. Yeah, you can't just be lucky. So you've got to... It can't just
0: be that you went to the franchise and, you know, when you you almost traded Steph Curry to the Bucks, that can't That can't – you can't have gotten lucky that you traded Monta Ellis instead. And also you didn't even draft Steph Curry, who has made your entire franchise. How about
1: this? How about David Kahn drafted Johnny Flynn and and that like, – And Ricky the, Rubio, two point guards. I mean, look, yeah.
0: Ricky Rubio, you know, all things considered, was a very good prospect at that draft. But, like, you drafted two point guards in the only – the other two point guards that went around them were James Harden and Steph Curry. <laughs> <laughs> and even yeah. later we got drew holiday i'm pretty sure in the same draft you there were three guards in the top 20 of that draft that are going to make the hall of fame and you yeah.
1: took ricky rubio and Johnny like i i i, don't, I just I, I really don't I, I don't know i i guess just my thing is i think bill is trying like i think bill and a lot of people i think where this wiseman stuff is kind of coming from is like especially because bill is a manager you want to believe in managers and, and what you and what managers are doing. And, you know, like the Warriors have by definition been like the model of success in the NBA for at least the last 10 years. So yeah, the brain you, know, trust. Like you, you have to, if you want to credit that to management and not the employees, you've got to believe that they're smart. And, and I think that this was very much a baby. The two timelines thing was very much a baby of the brain trust. And, Everyone who um, I actually respect their opinion knew this was fucking stupid, um, and they did it anyway. <laughs> so and you have to kind of like retro retrofit that. So well, what's anyhow. funny is
0: is now I I remember last year watching and everyone was like, "Well, they they got it right," and I'm like, "We we just watched we just watched Steph Curry like." like, Hercules, carry them to a championship. <laughs> yeah. what, is, what does this have to do with James Wiseman and Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga? Like, yeah. like
1: those you know, were the two if, timelines. You know, LaMelo Ball in that fucking... They would have beat the Celtics in four <laughs> if LaMelo Ball were out there. Like, I'm sorry. Like
0: The Warriors have hit on one pick since the Obama administration and they gave him a horrible contract, Jordan Poole. Yeah. I mean, like, at a certain point, we have to just realize, hey, maybe maybe this has actually been carried by a generational player uh, and a generational defensive player. So that, that's kind of what, what the reality of this is. And now we have to, we have to, to figure out the Wiseman thing next because they couldn't have possibly done anything wrong. Like they have continuously over and over and just had the widest margin of error possible because they have Steph Curry. Um, okay. So uh, let's, let's get into, do you want to do the swing players? We want to run through the swing players from each team. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, right. we can So we'll do the, I have a list here of players that are basically every single team that I think can win a playoff series is what I, I said contender in the title, but it's really any team that can win a playoff series. I have the swing player for each team. I want to see mm-hmm. if you agree with the players that I pick for each team. Okay. Okay. So we'll start with the Bucks. Number one seed, in the Eastern Conference. Chris Middleton's pretty obviously the swing player for me.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think that that is, I think if he is not himself, they could, they might be able to still win a championship, but it stops being in their hands, I guess is what I'll say. They have
0: to win it on the strength of the best defense we've ever seen. Basically.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like you still have like Giannis, but I think that the Sixers and Celtics, You know, or at least the Celtics, hypothetically, like there's at least enough good there that like you are gonna need some shit to go right, like you're not close games down the stretch. Yeah, right. So yeah, I would. That's what he did for
0: them two years ago. Okay, so so Chris Middleton's our guy for the Bucks. I think that we agree on that. The other guy that you could maybe make the argument is like one of the later rotation players, but like I think they have enough guys that they can kind of plug and play based on matchup. Yeah, the.
1: Sixers. I have. I actually have Tyrese Maxi for the Sixers. That's well, what I thought. That's yeah. actually what I had too. So yeah, because I because I think Maxi. I'm interested to see Maxi like playoff Maxi in like a real high leverage situation where like Embiid's face is like not broken. Um, yes, you, sure. You, you, like you know, like and can he survive on defense? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, can he prevent himself from being just a total liability? Because I think if he can credibly like stay out there, if he can, you know, I don't think I'm not, I don't know if I'm trusting doc to like scheme away, and to, <laughs> no. like, you know, but I I don't know. I guess I don't watch enough Sixers. You guys don't really like scram switch or do anything like that. Right. Like there's not like, trying to, like, if, if Maxi gets caught in a bad matchup, you guys don't try and, like, scram switch guys. I mean, do we don't like really that. do any sort of, like, yeah. pre-switching or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, I will say, I we really
0: only switch uh, heavily when it's the non-NB minutes. Uh, mm. You know, we will sw- switch one through four just due to and not wanting to, like, fight over screens and being... But, but honestly, like, I, I haven't really been concerned with Maxi on switching. I, I actually think that... If he get because he has long enough arms and he's strong enough that he can contest a lot of shit, it's really been the off-ball stuff that I've been more worried about with him. Like uh he gets he he blows rotations a ton, he uh has trouble fighting through screens. Like I actually think that the off-ball stuff is where I think that if there's a team that's smart enough that's like, hey, let's just run Maxi through a ton of screens, get get the entire defense into rotation and all fucked up, and we'll get open shots. Is where uh, I think that that would be the, the strategy for a team in in a series against the Sixers. Like honestly, Jimmy Butler targeted uh, Maxi a lot on switches last year. He's Jimmy Butler. He's gonna score on pretty much anyone. He drew a ton of fouls on Maxi, but I thought that Maxi on the whole was fine. I didn't really think that it lost us the series last year. I'm curious to see if he can hold up in a Celtic series. I know he can hold up in a Buck series. I know he can hold up. In mainly any other series, I'm interested to see how he looks against teams that have shot-creating guards and wings, like the Celtics and Cavs, who can maybe run him through a ton of screens, get him completely out of the play, or uh, or just kind of target him over and over. So Maxi is the guy there. I think that if Maxi's on a heater, like he was for a stretch of the playoffs last year, mm-hmm. it can make the Sixers offense pretty unstoppable. If he is playing like he did in the Celtics games this year, that's where it becomes more of an issue where he just kind of struggles with, you know, their athleticism and their size, and he can't really, uh, you know, c- contribute in the way that you expect him to. So for the Celtics, I have written down here, I have Rob Williams as the swing piece.
1: I think that's pretty obvious. If you're not putting Jason Tatum, I, <laughs> I was going to say, obvious.
0: yeah. I was going <laughs> to say, yeah. Yeah. Sixers are currently clamping the Bulls. Let's go. Um, mm. So I, I I think that – um they're only up 5 though jonathan so i thought they were up more um but the uh the, the rob williams one is definitely i think the 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 the, the reason why rob rob is kind of similar to who, what we talked about earlier about just giving you another look
1: mm-hmm. for
0: certain matchups like oh shit there's a certain matchup like in a Cav series i think rob would be really effective cuz they play double yeah. bigs you can you can then have multiple Multiple things that you can throw out there for rebounding purposes. It
1: would be big. Healthy Rob also just changes everything because, like, I I Scal going back to like Scal and Lowe's thing. I, I do think Scal's like not totally wrong about like you know the Celtics offense. Not that the players themselves, but that the offense can be kind of lazy because it's like if you want just rise up and want to take a shot. Rob makes you play more structured, which like does not it doesn't seem like he would help the offense. Cause it's like, Oh, the spacing that's cluttered. It's like shitty, but he does because he he gives real structure to the offense. And he kind of makes guys play in a real like setting. Like, you know, you do screen, like Rob does screen for you. He does roll. He's not just like popping. Cause the thing with Al Horford and like all of their small guards, those guys and Grant Williams, those guys all fan out, you know? And then it's like, Oh me, a guy paint let's cook. It's time, you know, here com- here comes. Jason Tatum cooking, Jason Tatum cooking. I'm the Ratatouille guy without the rat in the hat. That, that <laughs> is what I'm cooking. I'm cooking nothing. So, like, that is – that. that's the bullshit that is, you know, dooming the Celtics. And I, I think to what Zach is talking about and what I'm talking about when I talk about Ro- Rob being more essential to the offense is because it makes them play more like a normal team, and they are a very good team when they play normal. But they, yeah, removing Rob just – creates diaper mode like it creates more turnover like you know it it creates more rebound opportunities like um you know it kind of makes guys get into like uh, you know kobe ball bullshit that sure just does not work in today's nba like so i I just you know i also think that like
0: the the one thing that the celtics have in their back pocket at all times they can go to is the five out offense Mm mm-hmm If Rob is out there, you're not going to go five out, but you can have that sense of normalcy in the offense, and then you can always pivot to the five out, which, as we've seen throughout the playoffs, when you have the option to go to that, whether it was like the Mavericks last year in the playoffs, the Clippers two years ago against the Jazz, when you have the option to go to the five out offense... And it's more of a curveball. It's it's not your bread and butter. It's something that you can pivot to. It can actually be super effective in certain matchups. And it's always a nice thing to have. So basically all, all Rob gives you is just different looks that you can throw at teams. Um, mm. And for the Cavs. So the Cavs is the next team I had written down here. I have Isaac Okoro as my swing guy. But I think it should be Isaac Okoro or whoever the fifth starter is. Because yeah, Sixers and Cabs played again recently. They did not have Jared Allen in this game, but they had Jared Allen in the previous game. And when the Sixers and the Cabs have been relatively healthy going against each other, it's every time we're going to let Mobley shoot, we're going to let Okoro shoot, and we're going to live with the results. We're going to pack the paint. We're going to make it so that, that uh, they kind of have to beat us with their shooting. And I don't know how many times we have to see this, but... If I'm JB Bickerstaff, I honestly think I would start Karis LaVert over Isaac Okoro. Now, I think that LaVert is a more capable. He's been. I know I'm very biased here because he's literally been incredible against the Sixers this year. He shot. He shoot. He's shooting literally like 65 or 70 percent from the field against the Sixers this year. But also defensively, he's athletic enough that he can stay on ball with guys even like Harden. And he's had huge games against the Celtics. I've, I actually can't believe I'm saying this, but I think that they should just move him to full-time starter and ramp his minutes up to, like, for a playoff series, like 35 minutes a game as opposed to a Okoro because it gives you more ball handling, it gives you more shooting, and it gives you... I, I Look, he's not as good defensively as a Okoro, but I don't think that the gap is big enough that you can really justify tanking your entire half-court offense and fucking up all your spacing in order to kind of whatever idea you have behind... Uh, Akuro. I don't think that Akuro is the strength of the defense. I think the bigs are the strength of the defense. So I, I, I'm I'm very much like whoever that fifth starter is, it's probably going to be Isaac Akuro, but I think it should be Karis Burt.
1: So I think we have our first disagreement. I actually had Evan Mobley here. Um, Mobley, okay. Yeah, I actually think Mobley is the X factor because I don't think everyone looks at that. I think everyone looks at that fifth spot um, because it's like the other like starter guy, you know, like, and and everyone sees that as the one that's going to sink them. But I think that for the Cavs to like have real playoff equity, I don't think that's going to be done on the back of their fifth starter guy. Like, I I don't think any of those guys have the upside, even Levert that to like kind of really meaningfully change like a playoff series. Like I think if the, the Cavs make noise in the playoffs, like if they win their second round if they beat the, you know, the RJ Barrettless Knicks and the, you know, the uh whoever else they play, I think it's gonna be on the back of Evan Mobley taking like a kind of a mini leap and kind of imposing himself as like becoming sort of a guy a, a, a little bit. Um is that very likely? Um, I don't think so, which is why I don't think the Cavs are, you know, real threats in the playoffs this year, despite their like try-hard um things. But if I I think if if, if the Cavs are going to be good, I think it's going to come from Mobley, if that makes sense. And that's kind of why I see him as the swing piece. Yeah,
0: that makes sense to me, mostly because yeah. the strength of their team is built on their top four guys. And yeah. I have confidence that Mitchell's going to be great in the playoffs. I have confidence that Jared Allen's going to do his job in the playoffs. I have confidence that Darius Garland is going to do his job in the playoffs. I'm more skeptical of Mobley. That I, every time I watch him, I'm like, The stats are good. And defensively, he is very, very good. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's not going to go up against Joel Embiid in in any sort of matchup. That will be Jared Allen's assignment. It's not his fault that he can't charge Joel Embiid. He's half his size. Like, I don't expect him to be able to do that. In other matchups, he's been absolutely fantastic defensively. I think he can unlock a lot of things for them when they get to the playoffs. Uh, Offensively, I still have a lot of question marks about who he is as a player. I don't know why he shoots threes. That's that's the main reason why I would just move Vakura from the starting lineup. You can't have three non-shooters out there. You might be able to survive with two.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But, like, dude, like, <sighs> Mobley shoots, like, 20% from three. And he just kept bricking and bricking and bricking in the Sixers game. And I was like... Why are they doing this? Like, this is terrible. He's not going to automatically become a 40% 40 three-point shooter by the playoffs. Like, if anything, I would just say try to get him out of situations where he has to be a spot-up guy. Try to get him involved more in the offense. He's shooting 21% from three on the season. And he shoots over – he shoots 1.3 a game. He shouldn't be shooting threes at all, and he should be more functioning as a big split-up Allen in him as much as possible – And try to make it so that there is more spacing on the court. And that might be able to unlock a part of his offensive game, because I feel like it's really stagnating his offensive growth and development by just making him into a spot up shooter. Cause he's not good at that. And he's not going to be good at that
1: at least this year. And also like to that point, I mean, I don't know. I, I just really trust Darius Garland too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I just, as a playmaker to kind of like find guys too, like, Let Darius Garland do some heavy lifting. You know what I'm saying? Like I I feel like he's kind of really taken a back seat on this Cavs team, like and really shrunk down his role. Like you said, I think staggering those guys a little bit more, like you know, you don't have to play hyper big. Like you have you have Darius Garland to kind of make some of this stuff work. I would just I would run things through him like even more often just So, it's funny you bring that up
0: because I actually think the one of the reasons why I could see the Cavs winning a series and it, potentially maybe maybe upsetting someone in the second round. Yeah. I don't think they will, but yeah. maybe is because they're going to have an elite shot creating guard on the court at all times in the playoffs assuming that they stagger correctly and they're going to have I don't know if Mobley can anchor a defense. I don't think he can at this point in his career, but if there's at least a shot you could have two centers that can anchor a defense. It's everyone else that's going to be a question mark for me. And they just don't have enough shooting right now. They don't have enough offensive creation outside of those guys to be able to make up for that. But
1: I think I think it's going to be like a pretty interesting like coaching chess chess match. I think the Bucks probably win in 5 in that series. Yeah. But like but I do think those matchups are going to be, like, pretty interesting, and I do think those games are going to be, like, pretty close. Same. You know, like, yeah, like... Yeah. Oh, who's their third big on the Cavs? Who's, like... I mean, yeah. they, they go smaller a lot, and they put Mobley mm-hmm. at the
0: five. They have Robin Lopez on the roster, oh, that's but, like, he, he doesn't really play that much. Like, yeah. I mean, like, the, the, their third big is normally put Mobley at the five and then go smaller... Um, and then since Kevin Love's gone, they I, honestly, I who who are they even playing last game? I guess it was like, can someone in the comments tell us? I can't even remember. Yeah. I that's so weird. By
1: the way, I'm glad you brought up Robin Lopez. Like, he's not like. A, a, am I crazy or is he like not bad and just like, l- like like he just went to Orlando that had like a billion guys that were big and like just stopped playing, so now he's like. Just kind of a bench riding guy, but like yeah. he was good the last time we saw him, right? Am I making that up? Yeah, like- I
0: mean he's kind of been like a fringe backup big for a few years. He's 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 got a little bit uh, worse with age, I would say. I mm-hmm. mean the last time that he was regularly a backup big, if I remember correctly, was on that Bucks team. Oh man, I forgot that he was on that team <laughs> for
1: one year. Wasn't it wasn't at the bubble year. Yeah, I think he was on the yeah. Bucks for the bubble year. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I guess uh, Mar Steve, I forgot they they got Danny Green too. That's kind of a fun X factor. Sometimes they go really small and they put Kite at the at small ball five, but like, yeah,
0: he's way too small to play in a play in a real playoff series at the five. Like
1: um, six, six, nine, 228 Yikes!
0: Yeah, I, I don't think that he's. I mean, he's more of a wing that a like he plays big, but I think that's more out of necessity. Um. But, yeah, so I'm not I'm not super confident about beyond those guys. But if both those guys are healthy, they'll have one of the bigs on at all times and they'll have one of the guards on at all times. So that that definitely makes it, – it makes the lineups a little bit interesting at least. Uh, but the yeah. the, the twos, threes, and fours on those teams, I just think their wings are so bad. When I watched that game, I was like, oh, man, this wing production is just so terrible for what you need to win in the playoffs. Um, all right, so for the Knicks, I think we all know who this is going to be, right? I want to hear who you think I'd pick.
1: Did you pick R.J. Barrett? Yeah.
0: (laughs) I picked R.J. Barrett because it's like they only really have one weak link in their rotation. And he's been playing better recently. But he's, as we've talked about before, of everyone in the rotation, he's certainly the weak link. If they want to win a playoff series, they're either going to have to have R.J. Barrett they might be able to get away with benching R.J. Barrett. If, if R.J.
1: Thing. Barrett gets mono, you need to pound the kick that the the <laughs> next championship odds. Like this is. Just... If he if he's in the the Sam Darnold graphic, like out mononucleosis, the point like that's it might that, be over like, for the rest yeah, of the league. Yeah, yeah. The rest of the league, the Josh Hart Knicks don't lose. I'm sorry. I know. What are they twelve and three or some shit since they got absurd. him? Sure. Like yeah, you know if they, I'm I'm very glad the season isn't longer. They might <laughs> be able figure some shit getting out. Nervous about them. Catching the Celtics. Like. Well, right now,
0: I, 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 actually, my, my, uh, not my comp, I should say, that was uh someone else's comp, but yeah. I feel like they are the pre Kawhi Raptors and the yeah. pre pre Jimmy, uh, Heat. In that they play really well together as a unit. They're going to win a ton of regular season games. When you get and they're they're just going to be competitive. Like the Heat on the lower end of like they just got to compete and do whatever to kind of remain relevant so that they can stay on the radar for stars. Mm -hmm. The Raptors more in the higher end of like, they're going to win like 50 or 60 games in a regular season. They're probably going to get smoked at the higher levels of the playoffs when they run into true superstars. Like if they play the bucks in the second round, they play Giannis, they'll probably get fucking smoked. But, but they're in a good position now that like, they just need one guy that wants to go there and then they become real contenders. And They're kind of set up nicely. If they honestly, if they had not signed that RJ Barrett contract, I'd like them even better moving forward. Uh, but for now it's they're too far away. And then the last team I had in the east, and i'm I'm not doing this out of uh, I'm not doing the bill thing where I'm actually afraid of this team. but in a world where you have Jimmy Butler on your team, you have to give the heat at least a very small chance to win a playoff series. I think it would take them jumping all the way up to the five seed to honestly do it. Cause I don't see them beating the Sixers, the Celtics or the Bucks. No, but you have to give them a lease, a little bit of respect just because of Jimmy and my swing piece for them was literally just Kevin Love or any of their shooters. Cause they yeah. just need shooting is really the thing that has become a massive issue for them this year. All of their shooters have fell off a cliff. If yeah. their shooters can get back to being even somewhat normal, they would have a fighter's chance in a playoff series just because I, of Bam's defense and Jim, Jimmy's yeah. offense.
1: I, I had Max Struess for that exact reason because I think he's gives them the best – I think he has the best chance to, like, kind of return to form, to be honest. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, I don't know. And he's not going to get played off the court defensively like Duncan Robinson. Yeah. Everyone says that, like, he's, like, a terrible defender. I don't – I've never seen that in like I don't know maybe maybe because I don't think Robinson Celtics no Struess no Struce is, is a fine defender yeah I've I've like heard people say that like Struess is like a bad defender I'm like he fucking competes like yeah. I, and that's like all you need is, like a small guard I mean I don't know that so. that for for a team that lacks shooting so much yeah. they just need guys
0: that can stay on the court because like they they just don't have the offensive creation to really be able to get away with. Uh, you know, not playing shooters of that level. And defensively, I think he's fine. I think, from what I've heard, he's had like a down year, but like, I I still think that if the shooting was good enough, it wouldn't really matter. Um, Okay, so let's go to the West. I have a few teams written here. I have the Nuggets, obviously. For me, the swing piece for them is, I, I don't know if I should pick, I picked Thomas Bryant because I was low on that trade when they made it. I was like, Thomas Bryant's like the worst big defender <laughs> in the NBA, maybe. Like, I can see him playing in the regular season. I can't see him playing in the playoffs. But they seem to be rolling into the playoffs with him as their main backup. Big Zeke Naji is a kind of total opposite problem where defensively he's good, but offensively he can't really stay on the court. So it's either Thomas Bryant or Zeke Naji or someone that can survive in these non jokic minutes because I think that there's a chance that if Jokic isn't on another fucking level in the playoffs where he's literally like making it so that they're up like 15 points every time he goes out, I think it's a very good possibility that they're doing what it's the 2018, 2019 Sixers where the second and bead goes to the bench. They're just bleeding points and they can't compete with the, the best playoff teams because they just don't have an option. I would honestly go small if I were them. I'd put Aaron Gordon at the five and put shooting all around it and say, fuck it. Let's just try to win this way because we're not going right. to be able to stop Benching anymore.
1: Jokic. Benching yeah. Jokic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Put in, uh, yeah. Putting Jokic on a minute's restriction so his defense can't hurt you too much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so using Jokic as a decoy, like where you kind of – you make them keep their good center on the bench thinking you're going to bring Jokic back in. But and no, it's, never it's too it. late. It's too late. We're getting our crunch time guys out there. Yeah. So. <laughs> Oh my god.
0: Oh, I stopped paying attention and the Sixers are down 7 now. So great. Um, all right. Uh,
1: do you think do you think if the Nuggets traded Jokic? So they have the Aaron Gordon at the 5, Porter at the 4, KCP, Murray, Bruce Brown, Bruce Brown, um and they just like traded that team is that team like dramatically different in the west? <laughs> Like at the playoffs, maybe like, a little bit. I don't know. I, 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 I'm just I, asking questions. I'm just asking questions. Like, are you are you are you that much more confident in the Jokic version of that team than the non Jokic version of that team? Certainly so like, not.
0: Bet yeah. your life yeah. on. Yeah, the number. I was going to say the numbers show, show that the Nuggets are very good without Jokic on the court. So I think that I well, would...
1: yeah, because they always play like fucking DeAndre Jordan or something. <laughs> because they're doing a they're doing a false flag. They are like yeah.
0: Well, we, I Lugget- didn't
1: like the Thomas Bryant trade, but that was not the objective of the Thomas Bryant trade. Yeah, <laughs> that 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 also was a gladio stay behind operation. Like this is the deep state. Like we are the, the Nuggets are a deep state operation for MVPs. I'm sorry. Like this is, it's not going to work this time, folks. No,
0: Unless Joel Embiid loses to the bulls for the first time in his career. That might be, that might be the last dagger. That uh, could could take down his. Case. Daryl
1: Morey Daryl Morey is Nixon in this analogy. <laughs> uh, he, he's he's come to he's, Bill Bill he, he is was, Yeah, he wasn't. He did enjoy that part of the the deep state, but now he's turned on them, and they're, they're having a, a secret war behind. He's going into he's going into um, back rooms with his Kissinger Haral Bob, um, <laughs> and they're talking about. Uh, Daryl, <laughs> no! Don't say that on the tapes. Parody,
0: <laughs> satire, parody, satire. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Shout out to Haralabob. I hope he's doing well.
1: Yeah, I, he's I- had a great, <laughs> great. Ristolos said that uh, he always thinks twice when Haralabob says something because he's such a smart guy. <laughs> I'm like, let's go. Just like, just like Ennis Freedom. Yeah, he's such. <laughs> I can't believe we're so- I had to like run that back. Cause like normally the sickos have like listened to like Bill's pod, like 12 times before, like we've woken up and I've gotten like tagged and like certain sure. of them. I couldn't believe no one had sent that to me. Like that, that like he was out here saying that you normally agree with what he is freedom is saying. Always. That- <laughs> Cause you don't like LeBron. That's such a weird thing to say. Like, yeah. That is like such a weird thing to say. Look, I don't
0: like LeBron, so geopolitically, I stand with Amos yeah. Freedom.
1: What is, what we got is freedom he trying in to say? Is that like China is bad? Is that is that like what? I he don't was even know to, what I he have was have no trying no to idea say. What he was like. I don't I can't speak Republican like like like, you know, so like I, I don't know what he, he what he meant by that. But
0: yeah, Rosillo has been speaking in code since like the 90s. So yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's what happens when you grow up in liberal Massachusetts and you're you've got all these teachers and professors trying to give you the, the woke mind virus. Exactly. Well, maybe yeah.
0: one day he can turn uh, Massachusetts red, you know. Yeah. From the the communist red that it is right now,
1: this is why this is why um, um, his kindergarten teacher uh, fiance turned him down because she got the woke vine virus. He the, has lost so much to. Have no idea. She had <laughs> pink hair when she turned him down. <laughs> That's what happened. Two thousand two, two thousand two. She had the first ever case of the woke vine virus. <laughs> All right, let's. Oh, let's trans- God bless let- Drusillo, the most Gen X man to ever live. He <laughs> rules, dude. I genuinely, I mean that. He rules. Uh,
0: let Let's transition to, uh, let's transition to talk about the Sacramento Kings for a little bit. Um, yeah. I just had Sabonis for mine. Can he not die defensively? I am skeptical. Um, I I don't really know who else would be a swing piece for them. Maybe Kevin Herger with the shooting. Yeah.
1: I, I think I it's hard to like put your finger on a swing piece for them because like I guess it would like kind of have to be some cuz I I think it's just the shooting in general. Like yeah. if the shooting deserts them. I think that's how they lose. I actually I don't I am I crazy for thinking this is like everyone's talking about like defenses and like tightening up and like they're really fucking good like yeah. scoring the ball. I don't I don't know. Like maybe I maybe I'm a fool, but like like, I w- obviously would not think this if they were in the East. Like, I think they would get curb stomped by any sure. of the top three teams, even my deficient Boston Celtics. But, like, it's the West, man. Like, I, I don't know. Like, really, you're, like, sure they're- the Grizzlies are going to take advantage well, and score on them at will? Like, sure. I don't know. Well, that's, that's the question is, like, yeah. how come we
0: talked about the Grizzlies so high last year when they're essentially the opposite of the Kings? Where – you know, I know the Kings defense is a little bit worse than the Grizzlies offense, but a lot of the Grizzlies offense is built on transition stuff, (laughs) which tends to not be as effective in the playoffs. So Mm -hmm. like, I think the the Kings do have like a bottom five defense, which part of it is, I think the pace that they play at, because it's kind of like, Hey, look, we know we're going to get it back on the other end. So there might be a little bit of that going into it as well. I don't know. It's it's hard for me to really analyze. I just want the playoffs to get here so I can see what it looks like in, yeah. in a series against a real team that can, like, make adjustments throughout a series, too. Like, that, yeah. that, that's really where it's going to get interesting to me. Because, I, I don't know, I, I'm kind of with you in that, like, if you are really elite on one end, we're not talking about winning the title. We're talking about winning some playoff series. Like,
1: there I, I have been like teams
0: a, that have gotten far with bad defenses.
1: I guess like, a deficient field. like yes. Like, the Atlanta Hawks were not, like, a lockdown defensive team. Yeah when they made the full conference finals. It, like, it, it, yeah, they just
0: happened to go up against the Sixers and the Knicks, which is what kind of the Kings need to hope for is that they get a which, break they get a break and it might go in their direction, yeah.
1: Yeah, like I, luckily there's no um teams whose like star player has had like very high profile uh, mental health challenges that they might see in round, round 1 or 2. Like uh So yeah, I guess this is kind of a, a crazy thing. There's no way that that'll happen. Oh wait. I'm anyway, the, saying, Grizzlies, right the Grizzlies were right right next on my no. list. Okay, well, right off the Kings at your own, I don't know. I, I think people have been, like, talking shit all the time. We I were. We it. were for, like, three months. I Listen back. I have never. You I did say never, they are
0: going to beat the Grizzlies, to be fair. Yeah, I yes, was going to say. Did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I
1: have been. I have been. This is, that's going to be a clip, by the way. Uh, now, did I think that game would happen in the play-in? Yes. <laughs> is it going to happen in a, a series, though? Let's go. Possibly
0: in the second round, yeah, which would be yeah. incredible. Um, okay. So uh, I, for the Grizzlies, I had Steven Adams as my swing piece because mm-hmm. right now, they're obviously, they've been missing him. They've, they've kind of figured some things out. They've been better recently, but Jaws also not playing. I didn't put Jaws my swing piece mm-hmm. because it sounds like he's going to come back this week. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to end up playing. And I don't know. I, it's hard for me to see. Jaws play being so detrimental that it holds them back in a playoff series. Uh, But Steven Adams, can Steven Adams stay on the court is the big thing for me. Because if he can stay on the court in these matchups, I wonder how he looks in a Kings matchup. I wonder how he looks in a, uh, last year was Minnesota that played him off the court. I wonder how we, they're obviously a different team this year, but I wonder how he looks in some of these matchups that are going up, up against these like high power, super, like he honestly didn't play bad in the warrior series last year, which makes me believe he might be able to hang on the court and give them some sort of size and like advantage inside. Uh, but yeah. So Steven Adams was my swing piece.
1: Uh, we were off by a little bit here, but same like kind of general idea. I, I went with Jaron Jackson, which maybe is not, you know, cause he is like one of their one or two best players, but I think the Brandon Clark injury just makes his foul issues pop that much harder and especially with Stephen Adams having some of the troubles we say on the court it's going to be really important for the Grizzlies hopes for him yeah. to play a lot of minutes and if he gets in foul trouble and that's probably going to happen in a game or two and Grizzlies fans are going to look around and go this is bullshit Like. <laughs> what the fuck did? well why it was happening all year i'm sorry like this is you know and, and it's in the playoffs so I, I don't know like if he can do that they they do have a lot of upside if he can do that but i just think the brandon clark injury makes that so much more important they don't have that same safety net they had and with Steven adams banged up and already you know i agree with what you said like i think he's been better and i, I think that you know all this stuff happens, but I, I think they're going to have trouble going small. They don't really have a lot of four or five size, like kind of on the roster. That's like, it's basically Xavier, like,
0: Xavier Tillman is like the only guy that they really have the option. Unless yeah. you go super small at the four, like you put like, well, and then you got going to, I guess you could go to like David Roddy, but he's like
1: not an NBA player yet. Dave, like, David, but, Roddy. Yeah, David Roddy. David <laughs> Roddy. And they're got to put David Roddy out there. Like, come on, man. All
0: right. Kevin. Yeah, I did you see that he had Verno had NLE the rapper NLE Choppa on his show today, whose oh biggest God. whose biggest song is literally just about fucking? I was like this is his his his, his biggest song, NLE Choppa, if you don't know who he is. Mm-hmm. His biggest song is called "Slut Me Out." <laughs> and I was like, how is this not a you ball bit? That Verdo had NLE Choppa on, dude. <laughs> I think he is from Memphis, which is why he was on the show. Oh my god!
1: Oh, that's so funny, <laughs> Kevin. Th- this guy,
0: he's got a freaking song called
1: "Slut Me Out." <laughs> Slut me out, <laughs> Kevin. Now look, I, you play guitar, so you know a thing or two about getting slutted out. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I can't, I'm just trying to think about, like, what's, like, even fun, like, like, like what's, like, an even funnier, like, version. like, like, if, like, just we, we go back and like, oh, that was a like, kind of a funny one off. He did that because he's like in Memphis. And then it's like, you know, my next guest, I'm gonna bring on Chief Keith, the king of the old block. <laughs> like, huh? Now, Chief, we got a Chicago election going on. What do you have to say about that? Where are we at with drill rap? Like What, what do you think about that? <laughs> like, I, I, he, when, he, when I he just does a, a hard hip hop pivot, <laughs> like, like he that. He
0: has he has he has Chief Keef on to talk about uh Mayor yeah. Lightfoot. <laughs> 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 I mean, Out of here. <laughs> <laughs> she's old news. She's old news.
1: <laughs> that is great. He, 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 and then he, he he like gets chief Keef like confused with like chance the rapper and he's like asking him like why he loves his wife so much <laughs> that's why i was like how, how, okay so
0: of course that guy being from memphis makes a little bit of sense yeah. but i was like i i could not imagine in my wildest dreams chris vernon and nle choppa being and only e. chop is also 20 years old so it's like a twenty-year-old guy who made a song called "Slut Me Out." It's amazing.
1: It's, it was it was too good to, to be a bit. Yeah. Like it was well. It's well. You wait till, till next week on the void when uh when KOC uh, interviews Six <laughs> Nine.
0: Like, <it> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You no, know, he has he has so a little on so they can talk <laughs> about their their shared politics.
1: <laughs> oh my god. they're just
0: watching Andrew Tate clips the entire time
1: what do you think god I gotta say like it would not be like don't say anything I have to edit out Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm just gonna say two it, hours would, it would be it would be like very funny if like KOC started like J- just started his own like tape breakdown pod. Like it's it's literally him and J. Kyle Man, but like talking about like different Manosphere guys and like what their upside is. <laughs> Prospects, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's just exactly like going off, like like because now that now the, who's gonna fill the hole left by Andrew Tate now that he's in prison? Aiden Ross. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's got potential. He's the dumbest he's man alive. alive. He's,
1: on, he's on the come
0: up. <laughs> he's on the he's already beefing with leftists. Uh, (laughs) uh, All right, let's run through the last few here so we can get out of here. Uh, Sons, I had Josh Akogi or
1: uh,
0: pretty much anyone in that fifth starter spot again. Can they make enough shots? Whoever, pick a guy, Akogi. I think that one's pretty obvious. Although maybe Chris Paul being alive is another swing piece for them. Just being an alive human being. Wiggins, for the Warriors, I mean,
1: yeah. if,
0: if Wiggins plays, they can win a series. If Wiggins doesn't play, they can't win a series. Kind of just comes down to that
1: for me. Um, yeah, I'm kind of surprised we haven't, outside of Twitter, I'm kind of surprised we haven't had the Stephen A. Smith monologue about, now look, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> sure. about, like, like, pretending to be respectful of the like Wiggins situation and sure. being like, why don't we why don't know? We know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Well, there right. was a
0: random guy on TikTok. I don't know if you saw that, but everyone was just like, first off, this guy was like he, as someone else put it out, he was like in a Burger King. <laughs> and he was like just talking. He he's what I he's he's what I would call part of speaking of Andrew Tate, he was part of um uh can you believe what these women are doing? Uh, tiktok okay. yeah okay. and, and and i'm just gonna leave it at that it's out there if you want to see it i don't believe any of it i'm not saying it's true but i what i'm saying is is that we have nothing on this andrew wiggins situation and until we have a legit reporter come out with something don't believe anything that you say you you hear out there it's fucking it's probably yeah. fake bullshit and no one really knows what's going on and I'm just like, let's just respect Wiggins and the Warriors, who are okay, are clearly okay with it anyway, of right. just letting him sit out until uh everything's fine. So I hope
1: personally, good with him. I know what it is, and it's Andrew Wiggins has missed games for the same reason that I went off the grid for uh you know four months. He is playing like a Dragonician. Um, he's trying to 100 percent it. Um the RNG drops are fucking brutal. It's really hard to get all 206 weapons. Um, the materials grinding, it's really hard. You can't you can't maintain a job in hundred percent that game. Fellow gamer Wiggins. Um, I think that yeah, is stand with him. To.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Our comrade.
1: Like I, I've put 105 hours in the game and I'm still not done. Like Wiggins, you know, that's how many games has he missed? 30 yeah. times two and a half, 60. He's still got like 40 hours of that game left to play if he wants to 100% it so.
0: Yeah, it's tough. Um somehow the Sixers only have 40 points at halftime. I don't know how that's possible. Um okay, so let's move on to the Lakers as my last team on here. Uh and I d- I actually had Jared Vanderbilt as my swing guy for them. The reason why is if LeBron can get healthy in order for them to win a playoff series I do think Vanderbilt's going to have to play a lot of minutes and I don't know if shooting wise, he can stay on the court with LeBron and AD who are certainly going to need more spacing, but I like this Lakers team a lot more with him and Reeves in his new role and Delos up and down. But when Delos on a heater and Beasley too, it's certainly more, a more competent regular team. And I think Vanderbilt can lift their defensive ceiling a lot.
1: Okay. That's different from what I had. I had um, Joe Biden pardoning Ghislaine Maxwell so she can return and deliver the adrenochrome that LeBron James and uh, Anthony Davis so badly need to get healthy. Um, Also, uh, Ghislaine, she has connections. She could continue whatever's going on in Adam Silver's NBA here that has caused um, Reeves to suddenly get like 15 fucking free throws a game. I don't know what's happening there. Um, <laughs> did you see that? What why is that happening? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I watched.
0: He gets a superstar whistle. It's crazy. It, it's absurd. Dude, someone pointed this out like two months ago during a game. I was like, why is Austin Reeves getting like calls that like Kawhi Jason Leonard would get? Yeah, get? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. You know, like, the fuck? Like, dude, it's it's it was it's like honestly, other than like, the true superstars in the league, I don't think anyone gets a better whistle than Austin, uh, Austin um, Reeves. Reeves. And it's yeah. fi- it's finally coming to the surface. Also, last question before we get out of here. Mm-hmm. What, would you rather have Austin Reeves or Cade Cunningham?
1: I saw you tweet this.
0: <laughs> People got so mad at me. They thought I was being
1: serious. <laughs> yeah, I'm not being serious when I say rather have the guy who can play in an NBA game. <clears throat> well, ah, I mean, not, not Kate's fault. fault, really. No, it's not Kate's fault. He was drafted 10 spots too high. What are you going to do? It's the same thing that happened to Wiseman. The, it, it either goes one direction or the other where all of these clips age like
0: fucking dumb shit. <laughs> I, know.
1: I hope that there is a draft Twitter super... When I saw you tweeted that, I, I knew that the Draft Twitter was gonna hire the twins from Breaking Bad to just like sit on the end of your bed while you showered with the fucking the the, the machete. <laughs> yeah, I got uh 14
0: replies to it. Most of them being like, "You ha- are you serious?
1: <laughs> You're gonna get Tortuga on the table? Danny Trejo's uh, guest spot from, uh, from Breaking Bad?
0: Uh... Trill getting
1: decapitated
0: <laughs> by Draft Twitter?" <laughs>
1: sure.
0: Yeah, so hopefully uh this episode doesn't
1: air in Detroit. Um yeah. all you right. were really nice to Wiseman. Yeah. <laughs> I feel bad. I wanted to like Detroit. I took the over. By the way, you know what's crazy? I looked at it. I think the only over under lock that either of us are gonna miss is the Pelicans under lock, which like was the one It's bullshit. Watching. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's fake.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even without Zion, they should be better than this. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a it makes me sad.